Blog Talk Radio. There is nothing more intoxicating than the meld of emotions and sensations that is Friday night. Friday night is the sound of that crowd, the pride of that community, the way that that grass smells. I've never felt in my adult life the way that I felt on Friday nights. That's what those kids are playing for. They're playing for that emotion. They're playing for that brotherhood and all of that sensory input that comes from Friday night. That's why they're playing high school football in this country. It is this common thread that weaves through the American fabric. Whether you live in Compton, California, or you live in Appalachia, if you played the game at the high school level, you have this common bond of representing that community. Anyone who disparages where the game is based on myriad reasons. I'm not buying it. I'm around the game every day on these campuses. I see the impact it has on these young men. I see the way that these coaches are able to grow high school boys into NFL or professional men. And it's just beautiful. And good Tuesday evening, everybody, a little after 6 o'clock, which means it's time for an all-new Southern Sports Central Tuesday evening style here in Somerville, South Carolina, coming to you from the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studios. There is thunder all around, and I believe uh, it is that time of year. Of course, uh, there's also some rumbling, some thunder of high school football. Schedules are being released. Conversations are being had, and boy, oh, boy, come Monday, there's going to be some kids out on a football field near you if you're here in the Palmetto State. If you're in the state of North Carolina, did you not enjoy the news you got today? Because you're going to get ready to get out and about. Of course, Georgia, they're doing their thing. And a few other states are starting to get the ball moving, literally, right? And, again, hopefully the momentum is going to carry us into the season known as the, well, boys of fall, not the boys of spring, but yet, we got to do what we got to do. And tonight, we're going to do it big. We're going to have guests from 6.30 to 8 o'clock. We'll start off in Charlotte, North Carolina, with the one and only Reginald Walker, Jr. He played his days for Penn State, the Mitty Lions, as Joe Pot was his head coach there. Now he's there in Charlotte doing some great things around multiple colleges, some high schools, and right here on Southern Sports Central on Tuesday night. You can hear him live right here with us in just a few minutes. Then at 7 o'clock, we bring the bus Back to Charleston, over to the creek. We're heading to Goose Creek with their head football coach, Jason Winstead, will join us. He had an incredible season last year with an incredible group of young men, not only on the field, but the coaches on the sideline. They led him to what a season to remember and a season to build on. We'll talk about that season and the schedule that's been released for the Gators and what they see in their future as they have been practicing. Oh, by the way, they're in that one county of a few that has been practicing, taking advantage of the opportunity. You can't blame them, but we are tonight 
going to sit down with the Congator football at 7 o'clock. Then at 7.30, up the road, down 17 we go, and it is a long bus ride between Goose Creek and Myrtle Beach High School, but we're going to do it in about 30 seconds as we'll head over and talk with Mickey Wilson. He is the head football coach of the Seahawks, and, boy, he has built quite a dynasty up there in the heart of Myrtle Beach at Myrtle Beach High School. It is a three, excuse me, a 4A program that's doing 5A things. I mean, they are constantly putting out kids that are just incredible. They just had a quarterback go, of course, uh, to the University of South Carolina. We've had J.J. right here with us. He's committed, by the way, to the University of North Carolina. He's got a young quarterback. Well, we've had Mr. Berger on. He's an up-and-comer, class of 2022. I'm sure he's going to do some things. They've got dudes all over the field, but we'll check in with Mr. Wilson here at 730. And then, why not? Why not go to the upstate? Why not go back? to a school that we visited with their coach on Sunday night. That means we're going to Greenville, South Carolina, to Greenville High School. We'll check in with that running back he talked about last Sunday. And it's going to be, of course, uh, the one and only Mr. Kalik Holland, also known as K2. He's class of 2022. He's an athlete. Just ask him. He's a running back, a slot receiver, and a DB. So it's going to be an incredible show. We're going to take calls throughout tonight. So if you got something on your mind, maybe – you want to talk about the schedule in your community. Maybe it's something going on that you just like or you don't like, but whatever it is, we're going to open up tonight for you. If a coach is on and you would like to call in and ask him a question, we're going to let you do it. Tonight's your night. 323-784-9681. Again, the number to call in is 1-323-784-9681. Don't forget, follow us right now on Twitter because – Eugene is doing an incredible job pushing those hands and fingers and everything over there at SO Sports Central on the Twitter world. And, of course, find us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central and on Instagram. That's right. We're gramming it over there as uh, Southern Sports Central. Got to work on our Instagram account. I can tell you, Eugene, as I'm going to bring you in here now, brother, I know, of course, you're down there at the, uh, I guess it'd be Studio B at North Charleston. But, um, man, a great show. Got two coaches, a former player, at Penn State, the current player over there at Greenville. Yeah, no doubt, man. I tell you, every time I we go over and uh, look at the Greenville guys, you know, and Coach Porter, man, he's got a heck of a team coming back. I'm sure he's one of those guys that's anxious to play. I mean, look at what he's showcasing on the field. You know, I know he talked about there's some rebuilding a little bit on defense, but, dadgum, they, sh- they should be able to put up uh, 50 points a game with some of these offensive stars they have. Um, but, yeah, looking forward to that and uh, going up the road again to talk to Mickey. Um, it's been a while, but, you know, he's a guy that's uh, always in the hunt, always in title hunt. They just came up a little bit short last year in the game to high-powered Wren. Wren's bringing back a bunch of folks, but Wren moved down from 4A to 3A. So, Wren's no longer a, a bump in the road or, or a roadblock or anything else for uh, Mickey and the boys up at uh, Myrtle Beach High School. So, that'll be interesting to see what he's got to say. Um, you know, he's got a big-time receiver. You know, we've had on the show, he's got some other athletes. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about the quarterback position. That seems to be his thing. Uh, so looking forward to that. And then, of course, coming back here to Goose Creek. Uh, I was a little disappointed. I know uh, <clears throat> the boys over in Mount Pleasant were looking forward to playing Goose Creek and having the chance to play a 5A school. And they're rebuilding without that superstar quarterback who's now taking his talent to the next level, trying to earn that spot on a D1 roster. And he'll be doing big things out in Kansas. But you know, we'll, we'll see what the coach has in store. We've already talked uh, a combo uh, DB over there that's also said he can play uh, both sides of the ball. 
you know, he talked about some of the size, some of the dudes they have coming back, some good running backs. You know, Goose Creek's always known to have the big guys up front, too. So, be interested to see what uh, the Creek's got brewing over there. And then, like you said, you know, or like we discussed going up to um, Mer- uh, excuse me, Greenville High School. You know, it's going to be real, really interesting to see what the running back's got to say. I know the other guys, you know, hyped him up. Uh, you know, these guys seem to hype up their teammates more than themselves. So, I'm really interested to see what the young man's got to say and see what he's been up to this summer and getting ready for the season. Yeah, the cool thing about this young man, and we're talking about the running back up there in Greenville, Kalik Holland. Again, they call him K2 up there. He's coming back from a huge injury from an injured collarbone. He broke his collarbone. Uh, so he didn't even get a chance to play last year. So he kind of, uh, I believe it was the summer before where he broke his collarbone. But he's back. He's excited. Uh, and, again, you heard this coach talk about him. You heard that coach join us last week as, uh, of course, Coach uh, Porter was uh, was on with us on Sunday night. And he talked a lot about him. and a handful of other guys that are going to be contributing to the goal. And the goal is to win the state championship. And I just hope and pray whatever we do, whenever we play, that we continue to finish that season. And, again, a lot of things are kind of happening. And I don't want to get too much into conversation on certain things because I know Reginald will have a lot to say about a lot of things that we've kind of been hitting tonight or throughout today on Twitter. Now, again, Twitter is probably the quickest way to catch up with us. But uh, the NCAA has issued a blanket waiver allowing all football bowl division, subdivision, excuse me, schools to begin playing the college football season as early as August 29th. Of course, that's the source that tells the guys over 24-7. Uh, Eugene, you and I saw that. Uh, of course, uh, the first thing we're thinking, all right, the big boys are ready to play. They got the most funds. They probably can financially put dudes where they need to put them to keep them safe to keep them kind of, I'd say, acclimated or whatever the case may be, contained there, a lot easier than you will see at Charleston Southern and Citadel or some of the smaller schools. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, what I've seen with that is obviously the big schools can, can handle that type of thing. Uh, some other schools have already jumped in. I know East Carolina took kind of a, I guess they would call it, took a slight to it when the universe, some of the coaches from University of South Carolina may or may not have, but it was rumored that they said they were worried about playing a team like East Carolina because maybe they didn't have the resources to, you know, to, to keep the, uh, I guess, the, all the preventative measurement measures and things like that. Um, anyway, East Carolina kind of fired back and said, you know, they are, you know, just as well equipped as, as any other school to go. But, you know, so that's going to be interesting. And then, you know, one other topic, how this kind of flows into games. I know they, they plan to, uh, to play or, or the NCAA said they can play. However, I'm guessing that must be in the voting body because Mark Emmert has basically said uh, this afternoon at about 5:10 that he actually has a lot of concerns about teams starting fall sports. So I don't know that that's going to be a, a total green light yet when the president's saying that he's concerned about it, or they may just be going on record saying he's concerned, but the voting body said we're going this way. Uh, another interesting fact kind of along, along the same lines is uh, Ohio State, the Ohio State. Seats 100,000 people. Well, apparently uh, yesterday, the day before, they sent out messages to their season ticket holders. Uh, didn't see what the exact plan was because obviously I'm not a season ticket holder for Ohio State, but looks like they plan to max out at 20,000 inside that stadium. So this could be a real turn of events. I mean, especially with some of these big schools like that in Michigan, Tennessee, and all these schools that can seat 100,000, you know, and uh, he always, I guess, as a visitor going there, LSU, Alabama, I think it's something scary. Probably not as loud and scary as only 20,000 people in the stands, but, you know, we're definitely going to um, 
hit up our old boy Reginald when he gets on about that and see if he's heard anything about Penn State as well. Yeah, it'd be an interesting conversation with, uh, of course, Reggie if he'll join us here at 630. But, yeah, that's that's right there on the docket with him as well. Of course, he is a former Big Ten football player, played at Penn State, has his own insights and outsides of playing there in that same stadium. And, again, like Eugene mentioned, you know, fans, uh, you know, are permitted. Students will be uh, among them. Now, the university did announce uh, this just earlier today, I believe it was. Now, last year the number was 21,715 season Student tickets were sold. So that's going to be the hard part. You, you know, Mom and Dad, you're going to be there. We're pretty sure of that. We feel pretty good. And, and, and let's be honest, the students deserve to be there, right? I mean, they are on campus. There are the students attending the university. I believe that they should be. And then here come the donors thinking, well, without us, is there a y'all? And there is a question there as well. So when is the line cut? Whose feelings are going to get hurt? There's all those things that we'll kind of get in there, with, of course, with Reginald here in just a little bit. The other news that did happen there in his state, this, of course, out of the NCHSAA, if you don't know that, that's North Carolina High School League in short term, approved to move into phase two of summer conditioning workouts. This will now allow public schools to move to phase two on August the 3rd. What date is that? That's Monday, same day that the state of South Carolina will go to 1.5. I'm not really sure about the 1.5. We'll get into that later. And it's summer guidelines for the athletics, but it did a little to remove any restrictions from its opening phase. And, of course, we got that out there on Southern Sports Central at SO Sports Central, the phase two reopening guidelines. Of course, Eugene, you saw that. And if you look around, Georgia, you really can't base anything on Georgia. And, look, I got a lot of friends, a lot of family. You know, I got a lot of, a lot of things going on in Georgia. I like Georgia. Georgia's always on my mind. I get it. But that doesn't mean they're doing it the right way. Remember, last state to close, first state to open. Mm. So them tackling football, maybe, just maybe, if they do it the right way, they can say, I told you so. But if they don't, then it's one of those oops. So it's a really, really, uh, yeah, man, it's a roll of the dice here, man. And, and I understand it. Again, I don't want to get into the COVID thing too much tonight. I want it to be 100% positive football conversation. But maybe, just maybe, that Georgia's full throttle – North Carolina's got that gas pedal just a little bit heavier now. Maybe the state of South Carolina says at least while we can, let's do. Your thoughts, Eugene? Yeah, I agree. And, and, and I think, you know, right now, well, I'll tell you this, without getting into, like you said, any of the argumentative stuff, what we know is the current trend, and we can say, thank God, we can cross our fingers and toes, and we can – you know, praise Jesus for this. But right now, the last five, four or five days, um, we've been on a downward trend in the state. Okay, so that's a good thing. Does it continue? You know, we all certainly hope so. So if it does continue, then those who, you know, want to play early and play often, you know, those folks will be, you know, happy with, a, you know, we won, we got lucky, you know, pulled a rabbit out of the hat. Um, but you can't always count on that. So I think, you know, just like the school's opening and, and schools around the state have made decisions. I was part of a two-hour conference yesterday with school um, here in Charleston County. And, you know, there's still things up in there. Even though they voted on a, a proposal for restart, it's still uh, to be determined. So, you know, I, I, at this point, I think, you know, the plan is in place. Let's live with it. We don't all agree with it. We don't all, you know, agree that it should have been something else. We don't all agree that we couldn't have full-on season and everything else, you know. So it, it seems like with um, – 
everybody loses and everybody wins in some sense. Uh, that's kind of a the way you settle things, and um, it is what it is. Let's hope the numbers keep going down, stay in that trend, and you know we can go with what we have because it's better than nothing. Yeah, no doubt. Again, if you are just tuning in, North Carolina going to stage two, if you will, phase two on August the 3rd. State of South Carolina going to do it at 1.5 come August 3rd. And here's here's everybody's uh-oh. Watch out. That, to me, is, of course, Labor Day. Now, again, I don't think we did a great job on the 4th of July. Let's just be honest. We just did. The numbers were what they were. We also know that Myrtle Beach had a little gathering over the weekend. We will maybe see some, some pullback and some of that coming up. I've seen bumper to bumper, light after light, and, and, and a lot of hot spots, that Hilton Head, Buford, Charleston, not as much, but definitely up in that Grand Strand area. But it is up to us. And let me tell you this, the people that don't live in this state don't care about this state. So keep that in mind. I get it. We appreciate Georgia, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida. If you're from another state, thank you for coming in and spending your money here. But, you know, when you go into somebody else's yard, when you go into somebody else's house, the rules change just a little bit. And so if you're from this state, you live in this state, keep that dude next to you in check because we want to play football in the fall. And it is our responsibility, right? Remember when you used to have a sleepover or you used to have a buddy come over, mom and dad would say, hey, make sure they clean up behind themselves or you're going to be doing it for you. We don't want to clean up their mess. That's my fear come Labor Day, Eugene. I'm worried that we're going to kind of let our guard down, and for the ladies and some of the guys, let your hair down a little bit. And what's going to happen is that this day, two weeks prior to that date, we're going to be in the football season sometime around then. Think about it now. September 7th is Memorial or Labor Day. September 14th, 15th is kickoff. We're talking a week after that. We could be into week two, I guess it would be, and it could all be, but sad songs and slow walking as we look forward to some numbers, Eugene. So I'm just hoping and praying that we're taking precautions and doing the right thing so that we can get through this. I feel good, man. I, I like the energy right now. Like you said, the numbers are down. I will talk that up. I'll talk that out and let the Lord bless it because that's what we need here. But again, that is my fear. And, uh, you know, of course, on Friday, we will be up in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're heading up to this camp and it is going to be an epic camp. They have shut the doors as far as the opportunities. No walk-ups, all right? So don't get up there thinking that you can walk in and they're going to let you in. If you go through us at Southern Sports Central, you can hit us up at SO Sports Central. We'll do the best we can to get you the answers. I know, Eugene, I saw you getting in there with Coach Ramon earlier today about that same question. Uh, another question that came to me directly was, when does it start? Well, if you have already registered and you've already been cleared and you're gonna, your athlete is going to attend this, they should have gotten an email. If they've not gotten an email, you need to reach out to those guys directly. Or, again, you can reach out to us in the inbox at SO Sports Central or over there, of course, at Southern Sports Central on Facebook. So we will do everything we can, but we will be there on the air for about five or six hours. We'll do three. We'll take a little break. We'll jump back in there and do it some more. We'll have the microphones hot. We'll interview a bunch. If you're listening, you've been on the show, you want to come on the show, that's your chance to come back or come on for the first time, but it's going to be a good time. We're going to get up early Friday morning. I planned on getting there Thursday, but we're going to do it Friday, and uh, we'll get there early Friday. We'll set up the tables. We'll do the things, and uh, it is going to be a great show. I've got about four or five 
guys here from Southern Sports Central. We're going to have a lot of pictures to be taken, a lot of interviews to be done, and it is going to be epic. Eugene, I know you and I have talked, God, it seems like for the last month about this trip, so it's finally almost here. Yeah, I can't believe it's actually rolling along, man. And, uh, you know, the crazy thing is, is uh, we get to do this again in a couple of weeks, man. We get to head over to the ATL. So, you know, it's like you, you get ready for one and uh, you close the books. And as soon as you close the books, you open them back up and uh, start planning that next road trip. But I'm looking forward to it. This is a different group of guys. You know, we've had a lot of these coaches on the show that's going to be, you know, coaching this thing and running this thing. So I'm interested to see how, you know, what they do on the field. Um, you know, Carolina Exposure is a different brand than the uh, Infinity guys, you know, and they're going to be live feed uh, streaming this thing to all the college coaches that want to jump in. So, you know, I'm looking forward to the road trip, man, looking forward to, uh, you know, watching the kids compete and covering it and hopefully uh, sitting down with a couple of them and learning, you know, a little bit about them, the program, what they're doing and where they hope to go. Yeah, we'll have a table set up. We'll definitely uh, make sure that we uh, are seen and at least visible from you guys. Uh, I do know that the uh, the crew over there at the Carolina Exposure is going to send us in, uh, certain particular gentlemen who end up winning certain parts of it or do certain things, and we'll we'll get you on the air there. We'll coast, find out where you're at, where you're going, and uh, you know just talk it up a little bit, chalk it up a little bit, if you will. Now, talk about the state of North Carolina. How about the big man uh, who is up in I believe uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, who is listed at six foot four, three hundred sixty pounds, is rated as one of the top prospects in that state of North Carolina in the number two defensive tackle just uh, not long ago, if I'm not mistaken, has committed to Clemson. Just like that, Clemson gets a kid um, whose name is Peyton Page. Uh, This kid has done incredible things, and uh, number-wise, he continues to just tear it up. Page tallies 71 tackles, 26 of those for loss, with three sacks and six QB hurries as a junior. He's called as uh, 55 PFLs tackle for losses and 13 sacks over his high school career. Again, another big hit for the Tigers, and they continue, man, to roll and roll and just rebuild. It is amazing, the story. And, again, whether you're a Gamecock, a Tiger, uh, a Tar Heel, doesn't matter. If you're a fan of the game of football, you got to appreciate what Dabo Swinney has done. This is a dude who, let's just be honest, and we all know if we're in the state of South Carolina, remember the days that they – Gave him that interim coach. He came in through the middle part towards the end of that season, and everybody's like, oh, he's just going to hang out. They're going to go get another big fish in another pond, and they'll keep doing it. Meanwhile, did we even see the success that Dabo had? Because he didn't have the success against that of Steve Spurrier, but as soon as Spurrier moved out the way, it was almost like, you know, giving some air to the fire, man, because this dude blew up, Eugene. I mean, what a great, a great job he continues to do up there in Clemson. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I, I think I told you a, a year ago this summer, so so last June, I spent a couple of days up there with the, uh, on campus and around staff and stuff. And, you know, my only experience has been, you know, uh, really South Carolina football, um, you know, to be able to see anything like that, you know, inside the program and the weight room, locker rooms, that kind of stuff. But, you know, just, just being around the coaches, the players on the team, uh, and, and the facilities of Clemson, I was just blown away. You know, having uh, Dabo, you know, talk to the guys every night, basically, you know, before bed, before he turned them loose to the dorms, man. He always, at one night he was running late, it was 1030. He said, didn't care, you got to hear his message before you hit the dorm room. And, you know, I, I've seen uh, and heard some of his recruiting um, stories and pitches and, 
and things like that. And I will just say, man, he, he's a likable guy and he's genuine. People that can say whatever they want to about him, but there there won't be many guys that's ever coached or played under him um, that will say a bad word about the guy. So it is what it is, man. And and not only that, sometimes they say nice guys finish last. I think he's totally destroying that theory when it comes to football. Yeah, he's done a great job. And his my, my favorite quote, and I believe he said this just not long ago because he had gotten into it with uh, one of his guys on the sideline. Of course, the media does what it does best. And, again, I'm, I'm ashamed to say sometimes that this is uh, part of the family, if you will, but uh, it lit him up. said, how could you go in there and go at him? And I want to say it was a kicker or maybe it was a defensive guy. Either way, it doesn't matter. It was one of the dudes on his roster. They were just, man, he was lighting them up. I mean, every which way but Sunday. And all of a sudden, you know, they asked him about it. He said, look, man, he started, you know, going into, you know, iron sharpens iron. And when you sharpen iron, what happens? Sparks fly. And things are said and, and, and things are heard and, and things are changed. But yet, at the end of the day, we're still still doing it the way that it's meant to be done. And, and you got to respect a guy like that. you got to love a guy who's willing to come in and continue to, to lead by example. And, and, again, I'm not saying that everything Dabo does is, is, is A1A. Because, look. That's all all of us are. Everybody's got something that they can fix. Everybody's got something they can change. But I'm going to tell you something. The one thing he don't have to change is how he's winning because he is doing it in fashion and continues to do it the way he does it. I just wish, again, I just wish that we would show a little bit more love to the local kids here in our state of South Carolina. That's my only thing. So once that happens, maybe I probably won't say anything bad about the guy because that's the only knock I got on him is that he forgets sometimes that we got some dudes here right down the street so we got to take a quick break when we come back we're heading down the road up to charlotte and yeah, we're going to do this virtual tour and start it off with reginald walker jr live coming up next right here on southern sports central guys don't go anywhere 27 years ago i sat in this locker room just like you guys on a knee getting ready to play a game i walked down the locker room it still smells the same it takes you back real quick one of the things that caught me was how fast 27 years goes by. There's so many people that live vicariously through you. I would give anything tonight to jump in one of these uniforms with you guys. To do something I never had an opportunity to do. My father never saw me play. You play for your father tonight. That feeling goes away. It goes away. And it doesn't come every Friday night. It comes when you get married. It comes when your child's born. So you get it, but you just don't get it every Friday night. You're going to miss that more than anything in the world. That's what I miss. And so you seniors that are focused on college, you're focused on your work after high school, what you're going to do next, you're focused on tomorrow, aren't you? You've got plenty of time for tomorrow. But these tonights, they're going by fast. You focus on tonight. This is about you guys. This is about the guys in this room that care about each other, that know there's only so many more of these nights left. It's about you. They're a faceless opponent. They just happen to draw the short straw tonight. Now get your asses ready to play 
Win on three. One, two, three. I feel that you smell that fresh cut grass. I'm back in my helmet, cleats, and shoulder pads. Standing in the huddle, listening to the call. Fans going crazy for the boys of fall. They didn't let just anybody in that club. Took every ounce of heart and sweat and blood. To get the widow's game day jerseys down the hall. The kings of the school, man. Where the boys are fall Well, let's turn and face the stars and stripes It's fighting back them butterflies It's calling in the air all right Yes, sir, we want the ball And it's knocking heads and talking trash It's slinging mud and dirt and grass it's, I got your number, I got your back When your back's against the wall you mess with one man, you've got a song. The boys are falling. In little towns like mine, that's all they got. Newspaper clippings fill the coffee shops. The old men will always think they know it all. Young girls will dream about the boys of fall. Well, it's turning face to stars and stripes. It's fighting back them butterflies. We would say to young kids, learn to dream. You can accomplish anything you want to. What a wonderful time in your life. I get excited when I see kids playing in the, in, in the backyard or 
uh, at the schoolyard. Uh, the advice that I would give uh, a group of seven-year-old, eight-year-olds would be to have dreams. It's okay to work at those dreams, do whatever you can, but just have fun and, and there's nothing wrong with dreaming big. I just like to see kids when I see, especially the younger kids, and when I see them playing, I just hope they're having fun. Football lessons we learn as kids and all continue to apply through the rest of your life. Life is a team game. It's the big game. Anybody can be a leader, can be excited, can be first in line when things are going great. The test is when you battle through tough times, when things aren't perfect, where do you stand? Because you're not... Make it happen! Go! 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 Wear that with pride one time! You can't be quiet! You can't be unemotional! This is an emotional game! On that day, and at the end of your life, you look in the mirror, and you know you know, I gave it all I had, and I gave it for a worthy cause. You think about what that means. You think about what it means to be on your last play. This is my last play of football ever. My last play. How do I want it to be? How do I want to be remembered? Number one. Play play. Number two. Play play. Play. One, two, three. Play play. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I tell you, it doesn't get any better than that. I, one thing I love about that song is the beginning, and the other half of that song is uh, at the end, but I enjoyed the middle part of it as well. But the messages, all the messages that you get from playing any sport, any sport, is something that will resonate with you forever. Something that that coach says to you in the little league or say whatever, Satoma here in Somerville, you just, there's always that one coach that has that one thing that just kind of sticks with you. This is, uh, you know, also very relevant when you think about the men and women that serve our country. They talk about being a team and a unit and the sacrifices. And realistically, these men and women who right now are, are doing everything they can to, to participate, whether it be here in our own backyard or they're hanging out across the sea somewhere else. And a young man came across my feed during the break. I was checking through Facebook, and Zach Shear, who, who went off to play college football, realized that God had a bigger plan for him, and he walked away from the game and decided to join the U.S. Army, and he's done an incredible job, not only representing uh, the Shear family, which is mom and dad and family there. He's done that with soccer. Steve's got ties to Myrtle Beach High School where he played, uh, I believe, the first couple of years. But, you know, Zach wasn't the biggest kid. He wasn't, the, you know, the, he wasn't one of those flashy kids, but he was a kid who would show up early. He would stay late. He was a running back that, that quite frankly, would give everything he got. And, and I can only imagine. I can see him today, and I haven't had a chance to talk to him in a while, and maybe this is God saying, hey, reach out to this guy. Check on him. I did send him an inbox, and hopefully he's listening now because I said, I'm going to show you some love, brother. But, you know, I, I can appreciate that because now all of these athletes are going to go play sports for a living, right? This is just what they're doing while they're in the moment they're in. But for the men and women who, who continue to, to fight for our country, thank you. Thank you for doing what you do so that we can do what we do. 
here at Southern Sports Central. And I do have to head to Charlotte, North Carolina, because this guy is doing what he does on a Tuesday afternoon. What's up there, Reggie? How's life in the uh, big town of Charlotte, North Carolina, my man? I tell you what, right now it's an interesting place to be. A lot going on. Uh, North Carolina is making some moves with high school sports. Big South Conference had their uh, football virtual media day today. So I dealt with that this morning. So I've been ripping and running all day. No doubt about it. We're live and local right up to you. Charlotte, North Carolina with the one and only Reginald Walker Jr. joining us every Tuesday afternoon right here on the Tent Farm Hotline. We're going to start it off. Man, let's talk college football first before we get to the high school. Big South had their thing today. Virtually, this is kind of maybe the new normal, and this may be something that we look at going forward anyway because they're realizing that they can financially save a little bit of dollars or two. But what did we get out of day one in the Big South that this uh, group of young men and, I guess, uh, the coaches and players were able to do? I guess, was it a Zoom meeting there, Reggie? Yeah, it was a Zoom. And I'll I tell you, the, the most interesting aspect, at least to me, uh, as it relates to where we are right now, right? Um, uh, these schools are uh, starting to work out, starting to get out on the field a little bit, but they're having to be very cautious about how they go through it. Um, and so there were two things that really struck me uh, in listening to those coaches. One was uh, how much they had taken for granted over the years, the attention to detail of just how to take the field, how to walk out to the field, how to do drills, where to station your gear in between drills or if guys need to go get water, guys having their own water bottles. Those types of things are things that they're having to keep an eye on and be careful of uh, as they start this thing up. Uh, So that's one of the aspects. And then the other one is scheduling. A lot of these coaches said, listen, we're just going to try to prepare for the first game on the schedule. If it's there that week, it's there. If it's not there that week, then we're just on to the next week, and we have to prepare that way. So to listen to them talk about how they basically are not totally sure if, when, and who they're going to play, uh, but they're starting to prepare, I think, really jumped off the page to me. And then, of course, the process of preparation of just how to do some of the smallest things that they've always taken for granted. Live right now is Reginald Walker Jr. talking about Big South Media Days coming at you through the world of Zoom. And if you didn't get stock in Zoom early, boy, you need to get it now because it's only going to get better and bigger there, of course. Uh, this is a good sign, though, Reggie. I think at least at least we're trying. We're pushing forward. And while I think I'm still concerned, and I think you might have been the one that brought it up, too, was that word Labor Day kind of got me a little nervous. But before we get there, at least we can put some things down on the ground and start pouring some concrete, man. Your thoughts on the rest of these other smaller conferences like the Southern Conference and some of these other guys who have yet not pulled the plug at playing in the fall? Well, I think it's going to be interesting. I think a lot of these smaller conferences are waiting on the reaction of the bigger conferences. And I think the reason for that is a lot of these, quote, guarantee or buy games or contract games early in the year or at certain points in the year, because that's what they need to stabilize uh, their budgets. And so I think if you look at a place like Gardner-Webb, they've got Georgia Tech on the schedule this fall. I think as long as Georgia Tech looks as if they're going to play their games, I think Gardner-Webb feels a little bit better. Uh, So I think that's a factor uh, when you look at this, because it means there's still some budget saving uh, that could potentially happen. 
So I think that's, that's a factor in it uh, for these smaller conferences. And then the second factor is the regionality, if that's a word. It's really not. Uh, but the regional nature, uh, they're much more, most, in most cases, the Big South is a little bit different. If you actually look at the Big South, with the exception, well, really, Robert Morris was not fully in the conference this year, but they're going to let them play conference games because they need the team. Um, and then on the flip side of that, you look at Monmouth up in New Jersey and Hampton, really the two schools that are sort of the furthest removed from the general footprint of the Big South, they're not going to come into the region and play any games. So I think that's interesting to watch, interesting to look at, because when you look at conferences like the Southern Conference uh, and some of those other uh, quote-unquote smaller leagues and FCS leagues, the schools are much closer together and it's easier to kind of move around because the case numbers may be close to the same or, or the regional situation of what the health numbers look like and, and, the, and what the health people are saying uh, can be a little bit more similar. i tell you an interesting thing uh, real quick that came out of uh, media days today, and this is nothing that they're necessarily going to, uh, but Coach Autry Denson down at Charleston Southern was asked about uh, one of the things that has been out there is maybe at least at the NFL level playing every other week and Coach Denson mentioned that it, that may be something that could work in college football, and it kind of gives you two weeks. Uh, obviously, it would elongate the season, or maybe it would shrink it if you're only playing eight games uh, uh, in terms of – or it may not have to elongate the time frame if you're only playing eight games. But what it does is it gives you a couple of weeks to kind of get through some testing and, and maybe figure out who you have available. Live right now with Reginald Walker Jr. as he joins us all the way from Charlotte, North Carolina. Of course, he's played college football with one of the great ones. That, of course, is Joe Paterno up there at Penn State. He's currently holding the boys down over with Gardner-Webb and UNC Charlotte, and he's hanging out with us here on Southern Sports Central as always on a Tuesday afternoon talking big South media days. And, Reggie, you, you kind of hit something there. Eight games, but yet if you break it up every other week, that's 16 weeks, that's kind of about the normal part of a football season give or take a week or two right yeah that, i mean that that takes you basically uh if you if you do the math on four weeks a month uh september october november december it takes you later into december it takes you past thanksgiving uh but i think uh, a lot of these schools will kind of work around that if need be uh, i tell you another uh interesting little nugget um coach bohannon down at kennesaw state made a great point he said he told his coaches I don't care what position you coach. You better learn how to coach every position, and you better get every kid ready to play. Because on a week-to-week basis, he said, I may not be available. The offensive coordinator may not be available because of COVID. So you're going to have to be prepared to adjust, whether it's coaches and or players. So I think that's something to watch as well. Now, I'm just seeing this coming across about 21 minutes ago. I don't know if you had a chance to look at this. Out of the ACC, which is also over there by your area as well, it looks like the, uh, the ACC presidents have delayed voting on the new schedule. Uh, have you guys gotten any insight of that in Charlotte? Because I know I, I get where the hub of the ACC is, but realistically I think Charlotte holds a big round of that as well. Any, any word from your guys over there uh, in your camp? No, from what I understand, um, and I I did talk to some people uh, earlier today, but there was, they didn't know that this was coming, but one of the discussion points that everyone continued to make was uh, time and they're, and they're trying to buy a little bit of time anytime they can. So I think, you know, they say a delay, I'm going to tell you right now, 
I don't think they're going to delay much longer past uh, maybe about eight to ten days from now, around August 4th, August 5th. I think that's when uh, most of these schools are expected to go into camp. Uh, so I think that's kind of more of a time frame. So this, quote, delay, because I believe they were supposed to meet tomorrow um, and talk about that, this delay, I think, to me, is two things. A, they're trying to buy time um, that they probably were going to try to buy anyway. And then the second piece of it is see what other maybe non-conference games they can salvage. Trust me, uh, the SEC wants to save, uh, and the ACC, they want to save Georgia, Georgia Tech. They want to save Clemson, South Carolina. Those are the types of games that they certainly want to save uh, in the normal, in, in the non-conference schedule uh, as well. So I think those are some of the things to look at uh, moving forward through this thing, and I think that's why you see that delay because they're trying to see if maybe some numbers go down, uh, and there are some different rulings. Uh, one came down in North Carolina today. We'll get into that a min- in a minute. Uh, but there are some more things that came down that they feel like may help get these case numbers going back down that may allow them to, to keep somewhat of the schedule that they had laid out. Taking in right now with Reginald Walker, Jr., up there in Charlotte, North Carolina, as he always does on a Tuesday afternoon at 630 uh, let's talk North Carolina football. It looks like you guys up in that state are going to hit, I guess, I, I say category two, phase two, round two, whatever it is. They're going up a bit, and they're going to do a little bit more football. Your thoughts on them releasing that today, where it looks like now the guys are, are going to take another step towards playing, hopefully here in the fall. Yeah, I think that's important. I think it's an important step to do it this soon. Uh, whether they, they have to sort of push the schedule back or not, uh, not totally sure how exactly the schedule is going to look, but moving into phase two allows the players and coaches to use a little bit more of the equipment uh, to start getting players ready to really play football, not just pure conditioning, which to be honest with you uh, is kind of how we all do it anyway. Uh, many coaches, particularly at the high school level, you're not out there messing around with pads and doing certain things on day one uh, or week one or, or, or maybe the first you know eight to ten days of working out uh, in a football, getting prepared for a football season. So they've gone a few weeks now being able to kind of work out just to kind of get some conditioning and things like that going. Now they're going to add some equipment to the mix. I think this is a slow ramp up while also uh, tracking the case numbers as well. So I think this is a good step. I think it's an important step. But I also say it's not a step that says we're definitely going to have the season that we all want, the normal season, because the reality is, that's nowhere near going to be the case. But I think the steps uh, are slowly going in the right direction. It's just all about staying within protocols and staying careful. Now, because it seems like in the state of South Carolina, and I'm not saying that it is, but it just feels like, if I was one of those guys to assume something, that they are waiting for somebody else to make that decision down here. And, and what I mean by that is that the, the individuals that run the high school league here while they're optimistic as they can be and hopeful as they can be, they still have that one thing on their shoulder thinking, well, the governor of South Carolina said that if the cases aren't down, he doesn't care who wants to play the game of football. At any level, he's shutting it down in our state. Do you feel like that they're all, and being they is those who control the high school sports in each state is waiting for the higher power, which would be the governors and those in that electoral offices, to make that decision for them, either be good or be bad? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't care. They can tell me whatever they want. 
But the reality is, and, and, and let's call a spade a spade, right? Uh, whatever our opinions are on whatever it is that we believe in, we don't want people to be mad at us for it. And so they're in the same boat. They're humans just like us. They put their pants on one leg at a time just like us. They don't want to be the one that everybody's mad at. That's just the reality. Unfortunately, for lack of a better term, that's what they get paid for. When you take certain positions, when you take certain roles, that's what you get paid for. Uh, as you know, and, and you do the same thing being in a booth. You can get in a booth and call a game, and maybe you question a play call. Well, you don't want anybody to be mad at you for it, but you're telling people how you honestly feel. And, and I do the same thing in the booth. I do the same thing on your show. And I'm sure there are people that don't agree with everything I say on here. I don't want them to be mad at me, but the reality is they might. Uh, the difference is these are the elected officials. These are the appointed folks that are expected to make these decisions. And unfortunately, they're not going to please everybody because here's the one thing I can guarantee you. For every parent that says there is no reason these kids should play at all, there's another parent that says, I want these kids to play. So you're not going to make everybody happy anyway. So you might. So for a lot of them, they might as well just – they've gone with the attitude of, well, I might as well just leave it up to somebody above me, and then I can say, it wasn't my decision. I just have to live by it. Yeah, no doubt about it. We uh, here in the state of South Carolina, I can name one parent on the top of my brain and on top of Eugene's brain that says his son might play here, but if not here, he'll play somewhere. And I get it. You know, hey, like you said, for one I do, there's always one I don't. Now, talking about doing things on the other side, we just got this sent to us 21 minutes ago where a gentleman talking about not playing around the Wildcats, and of course Arizona has suspended a gentleman who has broken the COVID-19 protocol. Never did I thought this would be a conversation, or maybe I just was not open to it, but nevertheless, WildcatAuthority.com has confirmed that Arizona Wildcat offensive lineman Edgar Barola has been suspended from the team for violating an athletic department COVID-19 protocol. Boy, oh boy, Reginald, did you ever think that this would be something that we'd be talking about on sports radio? No, but, it, but, but that's the reality of the situation we're in. I'll tell you, uh, one of the things I heard today, uh, a lot during media days. And then uh, I called on a couple other coaches that I know outside of uh, the big South and just kind of asked them. And one of the main phrases you hear in college football right now uh, is protect the football team or protect the program, the bubble. Those are the things right now that are being said. And so they're asking players to sacrifice certain things um, to, to, to minimize the spread of COVID-19 so that they can maximize the opportunity to play a football season. And when guys don't fall in line with that, when guys don't stay within those parameters, uh, listen, it's more than, uh, you know, being late for a team meeting two years ago. It's different than, uh, than that type of thing because this is also a health-related thing. This is also something that can end a season. If that young man, that same lineman, uh, skips a meeting last season, they just bench him and the, and the football season moves on. If that young man this year, because of what he did, contracts COVID, or, or let's say he does that once the season gets started and contracts COVID on a Thursday before they play, and now his entire team has been exposed on Thursday or Friday, and they have to shut down for two weeks, now they're impact, he's impacting the entire football team and the entire season. So I completely understand it. I think it's, unfortunately, it's the right decision. 
uh, for a program and for a depart- athletic department to make that decision because, again, the entire process right now is everybody still just trying to have a season. And when you have young men, young players, young athletes, men, women, or whatever, uh, regardless of the sport, that are going outside of what you need them to do in terms of protocol that are putting a season at risk, simply be disciplined thoroughly. Well, let's head over to the baseball before I get you out of here because on the diamond, they did start the season this past week. We saw one of the worst first pitches ever by a guy who, again, that's another conversation maybe for another day. But I did see the word come out in Miami, of course, with the, uh, the team down there who they've got a clubhouse that has all tested. A lot of them at least have tested positive. Yeah, how do you control this and, and how does this happen when it seems like the NBA has done an incredible job overall really being the, the format, the layout, the, the outline of what you need to do. But yet, once again, another Major League Baseball team. It was, what, the Phillies before, here we are now in Miami now. You know, how does this happen? And, again, how do we handle this going forward, you think? Uh, the best way I can lay that out is uh, I believe it was, uh, I know it was the Nationals manager, uh, made a statement uh, the other day. I believe it was him. And he said the hardest – no, I'm sorry, I take that back. It was Eduardo Perez, uh, an ESPN analyst. He made a great point. He said the one thing that's unfortunate and, and, and that's different that from Major League Baseball as it relates to the NBA is when the NBA games or scrimmages or whatever are over, they're going back to hotels in that same environment. No one's going in unless they're violating or, coming, or going out. And the flip side of that is with Major League Baseball – when the baseball game is over, there are 30 guys going in 30 different directions, and you don't know what they're doing. You don't know who they're hanging out with. You don't know what kind of decisions they're making. Again, the only thing – and, and, and let me say this to folks that feel as though this COVID thing is not that big a deal or, or however you want to phrase it. You can think the way you want, and I'm not telling you how to think, but the reality is the more cases, the less games we're going to have, the less opportunity we're going to have, to get back to where we want to be, which is leading our lives the way we chose to live them eight months ago before this pandemic happened. So we can get mad. We can say, who cares? It's not a big deal. Uh, Just let them play anyway. The reality is they're not going to let them play. So the players, whether it's Major League Baseball, and that's the thing, you know, they're flying to a different city. Miami is a hotspot. They go to Philadelphia, another hotspot. They're flying to different cities. They're not staying in one spot. That's why the NBA bubble to this point has seemed to be effective. Last I checked, NHL, zero COVID-19 positive cases since they've made their way uh, to the hub cities up in Canada. That tells you right there, keeping folks confined, and as long as you know that when they get in there, they are clean, they are negative for COVID-19, and no one in there tests positive, you can keep the thing rolling as long as possible. When you have moving parts, it becomes that much more difficult to keep the numbers and, and to keep the numbers down and, and keep the, the sport rolling, if you will. Live right now, wrapping it up up in the Charlotte area of North Carolina with our one and only Reginald Walker Jr. joins us here as always on a Tuesday, six thirty edition. Either talk to me Tuesday, Taco Tuesday, but it's always Reginald Walker Jr. Tuesday here. Uh, Eugene, I know you got a question before we send him back over to the streets of Charlotte where he's covering everything under the bright lights of North Carolina Force. Yeah, I got a quick question for you. Let's say you uh, signed a contract, 
for $500 million, Reggie, are you going to go out and the first thing you invest your money in is buy a Major League Baseball team? It depends on what that investment is. I love what Pat Mahomes is doing. Here's the thing we have to remember about that decision. Because when I saw that, one of my buddies texted me and he goes, is this dude crazy? Does he have that kind of money? I said, well, hold on a second. We don't know what the percentage is. But here's what we do know. Patrick Mahomes is what, 25, 26 years old? Maybe 27? His entire life, he's been around Major League Baseball. Folks forget his father, Patrick Mahomes, was a Major League pitcher. If there is anybody that is a professional athlete in another sport that probably understands baseball and the business of it, it might be Patrick Mahomes the second, right? Patrick Mahomes two. Because his father was in the sport, I believe, 12 major league seasons. I know at one point he was with the Texas Rangers. But, again, this is a smart play. It's an investment. It's also the Kansas City Royals. So his investment probably was not overly expensive. But it may be something that sets him up later for a bigger piece of ownership, whether with that franchise or another sport or another team uh, somewhere else. So right now he's becoming – uh, you know, what we say all the time, how do you invest your money? How do you become a businessman? Because the reality is most sports franchises, pandemic aside, the value of them continue to rise. And so he's theoretically putting out an investment that's going to bring him a bigger ROI return on investment. Exactly. And what I was thinking with that is, too, because, like you said, it is the Kansas City Royals. And, oh, by the way, where does he play football I'm going to – I haven't seen the numbers and, like you said, the percentage of ownership and what that costs and the value and things like that. I'm being, I'm willing to bet because baseball is typically a different season than football. The Royals would love to have that Mahomes name attached to that program. So they – I would imagine he probably used his leverage of his name to negotiate, you know, a higher percentage at a lower rate just because of I'm Patrick Mahomes. Oh, I just won Kansas, Kansas City a Super Bowl. I think it's a heck of an investment. I mean, you know, when a guy already has $500 million, you know, plus some, not counting in, um, his, you know, endorsement, you know, this is the guy who's building wealth a la Michael Jordan. Absolutely. And the other added piece to that that I would, I would uh, you know, be remiss if I, if I didn't mention is the long-term play. Because if you look at what we've seen historically, right, uh, when Donald Sterling – uh, was forced to sell the Clippers. Ballmer is the anomaly in what I'm about to lay out. If you go back to what happened with the Atlanta Hawks and they forced the sale there, uh, Grant Hill, Danny Ferry, uh, yeah, I believe Danny Ferry, but definitely Grant Hill, part of the ownership group uh, of the Atlanta Hawks. When you look at uh, the Charlotte, uh, Carolina Panthers, I should say, right here in Charlotte, David Tepper, former minority owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, is able to buy the Carolina Panthers. When you're vetted already and you're already in the quote-unquote billionaire boys club, it's a lot easier to get in deeper and get an entire team for yourself than it is when you haven't been vetted. And you can take that all the way back to Michael Jordan. He had to come in, get a piece of the Wizards, and then he had to sell his piece of the Wizards because he decided to play. But now he's been vetted by the other owners in the NBA, much easier to buy the Charlotte Bobcats at the time, now Hornets again, when you're already vetted. So the math and the play here for Patrick Mahomes is about getting in the door to make the big move later. 
a lot of people forget Shaquille O'Neal is a minority owner of the Sacramento Kings, uh, the team he famously called the Queens at one point. So I'll let you do the math there, but it's very important for these players to at least get in as minority owners if they want to be big-time, maybe full owners later to get vetted and get through the system so they already know where the money is coming from, and it's much easier to become a majority owner later. Man, it doesn't get any better than this as we get it wrapped up just like that in a box and delivered to you on a Tuesday afternoon with the one and only Reginald Walker Jr. coming to us live from Charlotte, North Carolina. Do the math. 30 minutes, multiple states, five sports, and one solid segment bringing it to you by our guys over at the Tent Farm. Uh, as always, Reggie, we'll be in Charlotte Friday. We would need to make sure we catch up. I want to get you over there to this place and introduce you to some dudes, man. I'm telling you, it's going to be a great party, and I want you to come over and watch these guys work. They're behind them. They're going to be ready. I know that for sure. Absolutely. We'll, we'll try to get that worked out, guys. i tell you what, um, you know, a lot going on in both states right now, a lot going on uh, in the world of sports. Look, we get hockey back tomorrow. Uh, and I know some, everybody may not be hockey fans, but we get hockey back tomorrow. Um, and so, again, all of this COVID-related stuff is about taking small steps. And, and so you've got to do it somehow. And, and right now, hockey, uh, obviously the NBA, they've been kind of doing it longer. Uh, and hockey seems to be kind of leading the charge and kind of winning the day uh, on how this process can look moving forward. Uh, but both of those uh, sports are doing it in bubble environments. So I'll be interested to see the non-bubble environments. We've already seen some, some issues with Major League Baseball, what happens with football, what happens with college athletics as well moving forward, but it's going to be fun to watch. And, and hopefully uh, we can get some folks back on some football fields and, and, and keep some folks on basketball courts and on hockey rinks. No doubt about it, brother, as always. Uh, how do we find you? How do we follow you? How do our listeners catch up with you as you go day-to-day and uh, update us and educate us? Uh, tell the listeners, uh, catch me on Twitter. That's the best way to get me, at rwalk13, rwalk one three. Um, I know some of y'all are going to yell at me. Some of y'all don't agree with me. That's fine. We can talk about it as people. We can have conversations. We can interact. Not an issue. 280 characters. If it needs to be longer than that, we got to break it up a little bit, but it is what it is. Guys, I appreciate the time. Again, catch me on Twitter at rwalk13. Until next week, we are. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. The one and only played for Joe Pa and the Nittany Lions, and today he's part of the team of Southern Sports Since We're going to break. We're taking the bus. We're dragging it down to the creek. We're heading into Goose Creek with the one and only Coach Jason Winstead. And his first three letters in his last name says it all, what he's been doing down there with the Gators. And we're going to find out what is this 2020 team all about. Don't go anywhere. More Southern Sports Central next. And like that, ladies and gentlemen, we put one in the books. We've got two on the way, and we start off in Goose Creek. And why not let it be sponsored by an alumni, the Tent Farm, located at 7634 South Railroad in North Charleston. Jonathan Farmer graduated back in the day from Goose Creek. Today, well, he's taking care of the low country, putting all that Tent Farm down and around. You can find him on the web at tentfarm.com. And let's do it now as we say good afternoon. Coach, how's life over at Goose Creek? Oh, it's good. I can't complain. 
Man, you guys are practicing. There's football in the air. I know the mayor's jumped on board with this Stratford and, and Goose Creek robbery, man. I mean, things are good on that side of the world up there in Berkeley County, Coach. Yeah, it's good right now. Uh, mayor Habib, I mean, he, he does a great job. He, we we kind of brought the idea to him, and, and he kind of ran with it and, and said there ought to be a city championship. And, uh, you know, he, he's fun to have around, and uh, he, he really gets into to what we do and helps us out and, and supports us both, both us and and Stratford. Yeah, we were hoping to have both you guys on today at Denton Ward, but Denny's going to join us, I think, on Thursday. So I guess we needed to separate you anyways. Kind of makes sense that you guys are the big robbery there in the creek. But uh, Coach Jason Wysett joins us here for the second time as his uh, tenure over there in Goose Creek. But, boy, Coach, what a season. Before we look at next year or this coming year, excuse me, man, Manny Mukwamu, I can name a bunch of dudes that did a lot of big things, but you guys had an incredible season. I got a chance to uh, call the game the last regular – no, it was a playoff game where Somerville came over on a Monday night. You guys uh, did what you needed to do to head to the next round. But that was kind of y'all's whole thing, quietly under the radar, Coach. Let's, let's kind of reminisce a little bit about that special team from last year. Yeah, you know, we had a really great group of, of seniors and, and, and some really good players. But, you know, we had a lot of leaders on that team. And, and those, those guys just they, – they were tired of being beaten. You know, they, they just decided we're, we're not going to take it anymore. Um, they, they really worked their tails off. And the kids like Naheem Simmons and Devontae Fryer and Ja'Kai Wigball, you know, we, you know, we baby moves on, got all the attention and, and Manny and, and that. But we had a bunch of unsung, you know, DJ Matthews. I mean, Eddie Loftus. We had kids that just really – that was that enough was enough at Goose Creek. And, and they were tired of being at the bottom of the region and, and being picked on and being homecoming games and – and they just really they, – they worked their tails off. And, and it, I, I was just happy to see the payoffs. Now, Coach, before you got to Goose Creek, you spent some time around the state of South Carolina. You've got some winning numbers under your belt. For those who are introducing you tonight for the first time, and uh, we do have a lot of new listeners here checking you out tonight because they understand that, hey, last year was no mistake, and this year you guys are coming out swinging. So now you're on everybody's radar. But – who is Coach Jason Winstead? Winstead, where'd you come from, Coach? If you don't mind giving us a little backdrop of who you were before you got down here to the Low Country. Yeah, well, I've been around a little bit. I've been <laughs> in my twenty second, twenty second year coaching here in in, in the uh, state. And my dad was a high school coach for over thirty years in the state, and I've been I've been a bunch. I've, I've spent some time at Daniel High School. Um, I, I moved around. I, I worked at Lawrence High School. Uh, I was at Rock Hill High School with Joe Montgomery for a little while. And, and, and for the past seven years before coming to Goose Creek, I was at uh, South Point High School in Rock Hill. Um, so I've, I've been around. I moved around a couple places and, and, and luckily had a little bit of success. But, you know, ultimately it, it's not me. Man, I've coached some – I've been lucky enough to coach some really, really good football players. So, uh, you know, I'm just kind of blessed to have, have been around those guys. Now, Coach, when you look back at your days at South Point and a few other schools that you've mentioned here, uh, I know South Point puts out some dudes. Uh, who are some of the guys before you got here in Goose Creek? Because I always hear coaches tell their stories about their former players, but who are a few of your greatest former players prior to getting to Goose Creek? That Maybe that's who you talk about during a Monday through Thursday tough conversation about what it takes to get to the top. Oh man, it's it's lucky. It's, it's so many. It's it's hard to mention, but I mean, you know, I, we we were just blessed at South Point. I mean, that Rock Hill area is just a football town. Those kids grow up. I mean, you know, uh, he, Anthony Johnson's a big one. You know, he's currently with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and 
And, and I mean, we got some kids all over Division One that are that are playing or are currently playing, and you know, it, it was just you know one thing. And I don't talk about it a bunch because it's a different set of kids and it's a different time and it's a different opponents. But you know, the one thing I bring up with them a lot of times is one thing that made us kind of special at South Point was just those kids refused to lose. It didn't matter how first quarter went, the second quarter went, or what was going on during the week. I mean, when it was time to play, it was it was time to shut up and play and and hit somebody in the mouth. And uh, you know, we'd we'd like to get to that way at Goose Creek. We're not there yet. We're we're working on it. Um, it's just the mentality that you got to have. You know, there's other teams that have that. And once you get that, it that I think I think you can be successful. Live right now as we hang out in the creek with the one and only head football coach at Goose Creek High School, Coach Winstead joins us here for our seven o'clock Tuesday edition of Southern Sports Central as we are virtually hanging out on campus with him and his team and his coaches. Let's talk about these coaches. I know I get a chance to get in uh, with Coach Hill a lot. You got two coaches that look just alike. I mean, how cool is that? But you got a lot of great dudes. Matter of fact, one of them runs a a five-star facility down there at the factory. And I tell you, uh, I mean, there's just so much talent on the field, but it starts, if you ask me, with these coaches that you've surrounded yourself by, Coach. Yeah, I mean, we're lucky. Uh, I, I really like our staff. We got a good, good mixture of, of experience and, and some young coaches, and, and, and really, most of my coaches, uh, you know, ha- have a lot of good high school experience. They've been at major programs. Um, they've done a, their share of winning, but they, they've seen what it takes to win at at the five A level, or you know, in the past it was the Big Sixteen level, and, and they, they've been around. They've been around with good coaches. Uh, they really know their stuff, and, and, and ultimately what it comes down to is they care about the kids. You know, it, it, X's and O's are fine, but, but it's about the kids. If your coaches are about themselves, if they're not about the kids, you know, I don't, I don't want them around me because um, it's not about us. It, it, it's about those kids, and, uh, and they do a great job. I mean, my coaches, you know, they know more than I do about the kids. If I need to know something, they, they know where they're living, who they're living with, how to get in touch with them. You know, they're not around, they're on the phone with them. I mean, they just do it. They do a great job of, of making it about the kids, and, and that's really kind of helped us move forward. Hanging out right now on the campus over at Goose Creek High School with the head football coach, Jason Winstead, joining us here. Talk about the Gators. Of course, Goose Creek Gators, who had an incredible season last year and building on that foundation this year. Now, Coach, you guys have been fortunate being there in Berkeley County with the numbers being where they need to be. And, again, sticking to the positive conversation of practice, uh, it looks like August 3rd will go to 1.5. But you guys have been hanging in that 1.0, I guess, in the last three or four weeks. How, how great has that been to take advantage of the opportunity and, and again, being able to see your dudes every day? Uh, you know, it's been, it's been great. I mean, I got to, I got to speak up for our administration in Berkeley uh, County. I mean, our, from our superintendent, Dr. Ingham, to the, our, our district AD and, and Dion Jackson. I mean, my principal, Shamika uh, Washington. I mean, they just, you know, there's a real belief that, look, our, our kids need to be around. We need to be around our kids. Um, and, you know, I hear all these coaches talk about, I haven't seen my kids. I hadn't heard from them. I mean, I can't imagine. Um, I, I just feel like they benefit from being from us. We've, We've done a good job. I believe my coach has done a great job of following the rules. Um, you know, having kids active and outside and the small groups for the work in the district that said, this is okay. This is what our kids need to be doing. Our coaches need to keep up with these kids, you know, know what they're doing. Um, and it, it's been great. We've been going since June the 8th. We gave them a week off last week. But, uh, 
we're back at it this week strong, and, and our parents have been really supportive. I mean, our, our numbers have been outstanding. Our numbers are so good, it's hard for us to get all the young kids up there because we're going to be in 10 in a group. And, uh, man, it's just it's just great to be in a district where where, where our, I think our leadership feels like, look, it's important. Sports are important. It may not be important to everybody, but it's important to these kids because it's not these kids are at home and, and they're not out, they're not active, they're not around people. You know, some of them get jobs and work 40-hour weeks. So it's just good to be around them and, and take care of them and, and love on them a little bit and, and, and just know what's going on with them. Checking in right now in the creek with the head football coach, Jason Winstead, joins us from Goose Creek High School. The Gators with a great run last year, this year, right on cue to have another big year as they, of course, uh, have their season debuted, uh, I believe, about a week ago, Coach. And I'm not sure who put the schedule together, but, buddy, we're going to find out real quick where the Gators stand because you open up at Berkeley, you travel to Fort Dorchester. So, uh, you know, when you saw the schedule, you got to play it all, right? I mean, you want to play the best. That's how you figure out how good you are, of course. But your thoughts of this schedule and, and the season that we're faced with coming up here in the 2020 season? Uh, you know, I mean, listen, we, we want to win. I mean, and we're not being cocky and saying we're going to win, but we want to be a successful program. And if you're going to be successful, you better play Fort Dorchester. You know, you better play Somerville. You better, I mean, we're in region with Berkeley, but we play Berkeley. I'm telling you right now, regardless of whether they're in our region. Um, you know, there's no hiding. I mean, you know, some of these teams that hide and, and avoid other people – and, and, you know, schedule some wins. I, I'm not interested in that. I want to be the best, but to be the best, you gotta you got to schedule the best. you got to play the best. And, and uh, you know, we, we know where we stand after we play Berkeley or after we go over to Fort Dorchester or Somerville comes in. I mean, I think we'll have a good good sense of where we're at. And, and uh, you know, that's kind of the, the attitude I'm trying you – know, we, our coaching staff, is trying to instill in our kids. Like, you know, we're, we're not there yet. We're not the best, but we're not backing away from anybody. Uh, I want my kids to see what it looks like. Hey, this is where you got to go. These, these, these guys, these programs, these coaches, they've done it. Um, this is what it looks like, and, and we want to get there. And and that's just kind of the attitude we're going to have. And some people might say that's a little bit cocky, but it, it, it is not. Because, I mean, we want to get there. We're chasing other people, but, but I want our kids to be around it. I want them to play the best. I want them to play in big-time games against big-time opponents. And then, and then hopefully, you know, it works out. We 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 can get there. Maybe get one or two of them. I don't know, but uh, you know, we're gonna we're, we're not gonna back down from it. We're gonna we're gonna go in and see what you know, get, play as hard as we can and see what happens. Well, I tell you what, coach, if that's what you're doing, everybody else needs to take notes and follow suit because you're winning and doing it the right way over there. And of course, uh, Goose Creek will open up going on the road to Bursley. They'll head over to Fort Dorchester. Then they'll come to a school down the road where they'll host Kane Bay. Then Wando comes to town after Wando having a great year last year, Coach. You saw that as well. And then it's Stratford, that rival game at Stratford. Then you go to Ashley Ridge, and you finish it there with Somerville. Now, Coach, there's a, a, a lot of newness, this schedule being one of them, but there's a lot of newness in coaches around the low country. 19, if my numbers are accurate, around the low country. Stratford, not one of those. Of course, that's going to be Coach Denny. You'll see him here uh, in about the middle part of the season. But Ashley Ridge has a new coach. And, of course, Somerville has a new coach over there. Your thoughts on, on seeing a lot of the new guys as you were one of the newer coaches not long ago as well here in the low country? Yeah, I, I, something was in the water. I'm just glad I still have a job. So, um, you know, I, you know, it's exciting. Um, you know, real happy that some of those guys, are, they're really great guys. I can't say I know them all. Um, but, you know, Coach Fiddler, I mean, he, he's kind of been around a couple schools before and, 
uh, you know, uh, Coach Rafferty. I mean, I'm I'm happy to, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't really know Coach Rafferty real, real well, but and I was excited just to see an assistant coach who had success and, and got a chance because sometimes I think some of some of those guys, and I was one of them, sometimes get overlooked. And, and I mean, they did a great job before, and obviously, and, and just to get the opportunity, I was just happy to see somebody still willing to hire an assistant coach who had been successful. And, 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 and others, I mean, you know, uh, West Ashley, I mean, they got a winner down there. Um, he's won everywhere he's been, and, and, and you know, I, it's just an exciting time in this area, I think, for football. I think um, we, uh, we're just we're trying to catch up maybe sometimes to the rest of the state in football, but uh, I, I think there's some better – there's some really good coaches being hired here, and, and, and I think big things will happen in the low country here in the next couple of years. Live right now, hanging out on the campus of Goose Creek High School with the head football coach, Jason Winstead, joins us here for a segment on a Tuesday afternoon. Coach, you know, things are different, not only the schedule and a few coaches, but how about recruiting? How is recruiting going for a lot of your kids? Matter of fact, we did have your wide receiver that committed to uh, Coastal Carolina a couple weeks ago. The young man did an incredible job. I think you guys are training him how to be on the media side of the world as well, but I thought he represented his family himself and everybody over there at Goose Creek with five-star class. But how is recruiting going? How hard is it for these young men? And what are the biggest concerns with the way things have been with how things might go going forward? Um, you know, I mean, we, we had some kids. I mean, when you win games and you put the time in, in the weight room and, and, and you really work on your craft and, and, and then you have grades. I mean, that's the one thing that I think we stress, you know, a lot. Um, it doesn't really matter how good you are if you don't have the grades. And, and Malachi is a great example. Um, he just really worked hard. You know, he got on some radars last year, had a big season. Coaches came in to see him. I mean, physically when you see him, I mean, he, he he's a dude. I mean, he's a, he's a guy. He's 6'3", 190 pounds. I mean, he's a good-looking kid. But, but what really helped him is, is his grades. I mean, he, he's an outstanding student. I mean, he get into their schools. And, and uh, he, he's a yes, sir, no, sir. I mean, he's raised right. He's, he's just a nice kid. And uh, that helps. But uh, – you know, as a whole, I mean, it's kind of been difficult. We got a lot of, I think, pretty good football players. They may not be Division One players, but they can play college football somewhere and, and not have a spring practice. I mean, hurt them. I mean, that's, that's an opportunity for coaches to come check them out and see them and, and, and talk to them. And, and, and that's, you know, I mean, we were hurt, but everybody's in the same boat. Most coaches are in the same boat. And, and hopefully we get to play because their senior year just becomes that much more important. So, uh you know, we're all in the same boat. It, 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 I, most college coaches I've talked to, I mean, they, they're upset. They don't get out to come see these guys. And, but it'll it'll hopefully all work out in the end. Now, Coach, let me ask you this. You mentioned spring game, and I don't want to get much into what the, all the other stuff. Again, we're trying to stay as positive as possible here. But for the state of North Carolina, they are not playing a lot of them, it looks like, until the spring. What are, what are you, as a coach, as a former player, as a guy that's seen recruiting things happen, how big is a country-wise is this going to be? How hard is it going to be for the NCAA, in your opinion, to, to handle the recruiting requirements? Because we have rules, deadlines and, and, and dead periods and things like that, Coach. But when you've got a state like California that's not even going to be playing until January, how big is it for these kids to, to make sure they're on the football field come the fall season and not the spring season? You know, I don't know. I mean, there is no right answer. I mean, I think sometimes people argue. I mean, we've never been through a pandemic, or at least I, I haven't. I mean, there are no right answers. Um, I, I think it's important. My, my, my biggest thing is, 
you know, I just want to play football. I understand everybody's argument if you're in the spring. You know, if you got kids that have signed, you got kids who have graduated, then you're not going to have them. But, you know, if you look at the states around us, and that's what I keep saying, and I, I know there are some people that say, well, we don't care what Georgia does and we don't care what Florida does. But if, if Georgia's playing in Mississippi and Alabama and Tennessee and, and, and Florida and, and I think um, – I think well, Virginia's not. I think they moved it. I think North Carolina's moving into – I mean, if we're sitting down here in the south and everybody around us is playing and we're not, I mean, that's going to hurt our kids. You know, somebody's getting those scholarships. And if they get to play in the fall and coaches get to see them play and we're sitting around waiting through the spring, I mean, I think it's going to hurt our kids. You know, I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if it's better to play in the spring. I don't know if it's better to play in the fall. But I do know we're sitting on the sidelines and everybody around us is playing. And then, you know, our kids are the ones that are going to get hurt. They're not going to get recruited. The kids that are playing are going to get recruited in front of them, and, and it's going to be a shame. But, uh, you know, luckily, I'm just a football coach. We got we got way smarter people than me making decisions about school <laughs> and, and athletics. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll play. We'll be there. When they tell us to be there, we'll be there. And you'll be ready to rock and roll as, of course, the Gators had a great season last year, setting it up for another big one this year. Their head coach joins us here tonight on Southern Sports Central Coach Winstead. Of course, the first three letters says it all over there at the Creek. Win, and you're in. And they continued to do that last year. Had a great run into the playoffs, looking to add some more success this year. Coach, the one thing that keeps coming our way from a lot of the parents is the JV the B teams and, and some of those programs are, are these guys on the same format playing a smaller schedule or are they playing at all? What is the the plan for the guys on the JV and that B team organization? Um, <laughs> you know, I, I haven't heard a definite answer on that. Uh, we're planning on playing. Um, you know, I, I got a lot, you know, one thing we, we kind of done is we've tried to build up our B teams and our JV teams and, and we got really good numbers right now. Um, I, we're gonna have a lot of disappointed and angry fans if, if for some reason they get don't get to play. Um, you know, I don't see why they can't. If the varsity kids are getting to play, I don't know why the JV kids wouldn't. If the JV kids get to play, I don't know why the B team wouldn't. We don't practice together. And, you know, I, I know they're worried about how many people are around and stuff, but you know, I, I'd be really disappointed if we didn't get to play B team football and JV football because I mean that's that's how you build it. Um, you you, you got to build your program from the bottom up and, and have these kids together and learning your system and playing under you and getting to know them and getting them in the weight room. And, and those guys are putting in just as much much work as my varsity kids right now. And uh, we're playing on playing. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I don't think there's any doubt that Berkeley and Fort Dorchester and Somerville and, and, and Stratford and, and Cane Bay and those guys are, are, are thinking about playing too. So, until somebody higher up than me says we're not playing JV football B team, and then we're moving ahead. And we, I mean, I, we're we're full steam ahead with those guys. No doubt about it, Coach. You know, the one thing I've said on the show for the last couple of weeks with all the the Zoom meetings, I think I'm about zoomed out, by the way. And I've actually put Eugene; he's part of the Zoom uh, side of things at Southern Sports Central because I just I don't have any more three hours to give, but. I would love to see an organization of coaches. And I talked to the Greenville coach uh, this past week who joined us here on the air on Sunday night. And I said, look, I would love to see active coaches, the live coaches that are out there today, like yourself and, you know, all the coaches around the low country have a, a voice. Because I feel like that sometimes, even though the, the guys on the board, yes, they coach, but it's changed a little bit. You mentioned that earlier in this interview where things just aren't the same as it was. And, and that's just life. But I would love – 
to let you guys speak because, to be honest with them, you guys are around them more than their moms and dads a lot of times. So to give you guys an opportunity, I, I think that would be a great thing. Uh, have you guys been able to, and again, if you can't answer this, I totally understand and we'll move forward, but have you guys had a lot of dialogue going on, going forward with how things are going to be done, or has anybody asked your opinion personally, say, hey, Coach, what you think? Should we do this thing in the spring or in the fall? <laughs> and nobody cares what I think. <laughs> I don't get asked. I don't, I'm not involved in those conversations, and I'll be honest with you. Look, I, I'd rather be around my team, man. I'm worried about us. I'm worried about Goose Creek. I'm worried about my kids getting into college. I'm worried about, you know, is their home life okay? I'm worried about are they eating, who they're living with, what's going on. You know, I, I'm just yeah. worried about taking care of my kids. I mean, I, I've got opinions, and I'll be happy to give them if somebody asks. But, but I, you know, there's, there's, there's not me. My phone's not ringing. Let's put it that way. Um, so, you know, some coaches are, are more into that, and, and that's great. Right. And we've got to have them, and, and they do a good job, and, and I'm a part of the state association, or the coaches association, and I go to the meetings and things like that. But I'm just I'm worried about us. That's my main right. concern. I want to make sure my kids are treated fairly, and, and 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 you know we take care of them. And so you know they call me, I'll give an opinion, but but I'm not real real involved. I'm not involved at all in most of those decisions, and, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> No doubt it, we're wrapping it up here with Coach Winstead. Uh, Jason Winstead joining us all the way from Goose Creek High School, down the road here from our studios here in Somerville. As uh, we're taking a look around the low country, we're working around the state as well. But tonight, of course, uh, having the opportunity. Coach, I, I enjoyed last year, had a chance to come on the campus and, and shake your hand for a little while. You were getting ready for, uh, I believe, that game against Somerville. It was one of the two or three times they were shooting at it. But uh, I am hoping to come to the campus once uh, the green light's given and we can make a trip. But uh, I, I'm real proud of everything you're doing on the field. I had a chance to meet up with uh, one of the twins, and, and I'm trying to remember their last name because the wife actually coaches at Somerville. She's a soccer coach, and, uh, you know, they, I always get a chance to see her and her husband. But I had a chance to meet the twin brother, who I thought it was the other brother, at Moe's. And I got to tell you, I have yet to meet any of your coaching staff who doesn't make time to walk over and say hello, and that means a lot to me, Coach. Yeah, that's uh, Coach Baggett and Coach Baggett. Uh, which one you met, I don't know. <laughs> um, they're great guys. You know, I kind of got to know them when I was at South Point. They worked at York and then later at Northwestern. And, and I, I've got a real good uh, – um, I mean, like I said, I got a great coaching staff. I mean, and they got great experience. And, and they're all really super nice guys and care about the kids. And, and a lot of them moved down here to the low country. I mean, they came through Goose Creek to take the job. And it's amazing that we got some of them. But, yeah, those, those are great guys. And, and uh, they, they do a great job for us. Well, Coach, for everything that you do, everything you've done, and all that you're going to do going forward, I really appreciate it. All of us here at Southern Sports Central just look forward to it. We're glad to be a part of what the Goose Creek Gators do here on Southern Sports Central. And anytime you want to get on here and, and voice your opinion, I care, we care, we're going to listen to you because that's what we do here. And uh, it's a show for you guys. Again, we watch you guys troll the sidelines and, you know, do certain interviews, but I'd love to give, a, a, again, an opportunity for the community to get to know you as, as an individual, a guy who continues to not only – you know, raise these young men, but you've got a family of your own, and I hope you guys are staying safe as well, Coach. Appreciate it. We are. We're doing well. We got to get these. I got to get my kids back in school. I don't know what other <laughs> parents are doing. Mine are, mine are going to school. We've we've had enough. Yeah, 
I tell you, I, I'll share this with you, and then I'll let you get back to that family over there. But, you know, I, I made a phone call to two or three of the teachers of one of my kids. and was like, hey, this whole time you've been telling me my kids are good. They're not good. <laughs> These are bad kids. They don't listen. I've had them in ISS the whole time, and I had them out there changing tires uh, for a PE the other day. It's just not a good situation. So, I mean, you know, I can only imagine the parents are going to be literally slowing down. I don't even think they're going to stop when they go to take them to school that first day. They're just going to kind of slowly slow down and say, look, tuck and roll, dude. you got to get out. I'll see you at the end of the day. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting school year, football season and everything, but we'll uh, hopefully we'll make it through safely and, and it'll end up being a good year when it's all said and done. No doubt, Coach. Thanks again for all that you do. We'll talk to you soon. And good luck here in the 2020 season. I'm 100%. We'll get you hopefully back and definitely some of your players and coaches as uh, we look forward to having another big year with you guys. Thanks again, Coach. All right. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, just like that, we travel to the creek with the one and only Coach Jason Winstead joins us. He, again, is building a – incredible, and I mean a five-star program, and it's happening before he even hits the football field. Eugene, I'm going to bring you in for a minute before we go to break and we head up to Myrtle Beach where we're going to check in with Coach Mickey Wilson from Myrtle Beach High School. But I love the fact what he said is this. This is why I love this. He, he, he wants to know where they're living. He wants to know what they're doing, what they're eating. You know, those are the things that I don't think that anybody understands as a coach it's not about the wins and losses. Yeah, they want to win. That's why they're playing it. But they want to win before they hit the field, Eugene. Yeah, you know, and, and that focus is on the physical, mental, and spiritual well-being of those kids. Like, he, I, I'm sure he knows he's not going to get the best out of a kid, and the kid's not going to get the best out of himself out there on Friday night if they're worried about, you know, when I go home, I, I, I'm not going home. I have to sleep in a car. Or – you know, or, or there's a bad situation at home, or they're hungry, or they're this or that. They don't have something. Or, and then, like you said, you know, sometimes it's his assistant coaches, and they know not only where the kids are or how to find them, what they're doing, but who they're doing it with. And that's something they said, you know, they convey with the administration. The administration, you know, supports them in that and says that, you know, we might be an outlier when it comes to, you know, having kids at the school, and we haven't completely shut things down. But, it gives the administration a sense of well-being knowing that they know and the coaches know where these kids are. So it gives, you know, some structure and stability in those kids' lives. And that's kind of one of the things that I've been kind of, you know, advocating for when it comes to, you know, opening the schools is that quite often teachers are the first first uh, line of defense. They're the ones that notice, the, notice signs of neglect or abuse in kids and are able to uh, notify, you know, people and get some things taken care of. You know, if, if a kid's at home and that home situation is a bad situation, quite often that, that, that doesn't get seen, you know, because the child is obviously there in the situation and may be afraid to reach out some other way. So, you know, and I totally get that, man. I love them for it. That's kind of what I've been advocating for for the past month or so when it comes to reopening schools. You know, it's just it's, it's such a, a, a deep love for these kids. He's been in some good high schools up in Daniel. I, I know people that played there, coached there. It's a kind of a very affluent area, kind of outside of Clemson. And that's where Brent Venable's kids go to school or, or they go to school. And then he's also coached at South Point. What most people don't realize is that of the high schools in South Point, uh, 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 the high schools in Rock Hill, South Point is considered kind of the uh, the poorer of the high schools. And so, um, you know, so he's coached on both sides of the spectrum. So, you know, if anybody gets it, 
based on experience in life and things like that, it's definitely um, Coach Jason. Yeah, no doubt, Eugene. As we're going to head to break, when we come back, we have now parked the bus up there on the Grand Strand. It is summertime up on the Grand Strand, but it's still football time. It's August 3rd, if I'm not mistaken. The boys and the Seahawks will be back out on the field together as a unit, and 1.5 will be uh, the rule of thumb up there. But we got a break. We'll come back, and we're going to be up there with the head football coach, Mr. Our coach, Mookie, Mickey Wilson, will join us from Myrtle Beach High School coming up next. Welcome back, everybody. Hour, well, we'd say two here is at two hours and 30 minutes into the show here tonight. I want to thank Coach Jason Winstead from Goose Creek High School. Checked in with us about the Goose Creek Gators. They play 5A football down here in the Low Country. And tonight, we head up to the Grand Strand, where this segment is brought to you by a good friend of mine up there at the beach, the best ice cream parlor in town. Myers Ice Cream can be found at 1906, 1906, the U.S. 17 business surf side. South Carolina. So we're excited to have been here now with us that coach from the Grand Strand who continues to build, I like to call it a dynasty up there uh, in the Ori County area. Coach, welcome back to the show. Coach Wilson, how's it going up there, buddy? Uh, doing well. Good afternoon. I hope everybody's uh, doing great up there and uh, I'm happy to be on the show. It's always good to get you in here, man. Of course, uh, you spent your days, of, my memory serves me right at Conway. I went to Sockasee. Here you are now coaching at Myrtle Beach. Boy, I tell you what, what's the triangle of love we got going on tonight, huh? Well, I, I'm sorry that you had to go to Sockasee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to get it to me. <laughs> but, uh, oh, you know, man. that's uh, some nice rivalries there for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Now, we do have – now, this was the cool thing. There We had at one point last year, we had Coach Spivey. You know old Coach Spivey down here. Uh, he was oh, uh, the offensive coordinator. Right then we had uh, a, a football. One of our special teams coach, Coach Chris, was uh, was from Myrtle Beach, and I was Sockasee. And never did you ever think we would all three be on the same staff, doing the same thing, and having the same goal on a Friday night? Because that was never the goal when us three got together on a regular Friday night growing up, man. But uh, I, I tell you what, talking about putting it together, Coach, you've done a great job. We have uh, your quarterback Ryan comes in here on a regular basis. His mom and dad, I tell you, couldn't find a a better two group of guys to raise a young man that's uh, man he's getting bigger every day it looks like and then JJ how about this kid he's been in a couple of times and uh, committing to North Carolina but that's just the tip of the iceberg coach because you got dudes all around you from the top of the chart to the bottom over there man well we uh we're, we're very fortunate we uh you know Murder Beach is a great football community you know that growing up you know, on the Grand Strand and uh, you know we have a, an amazing rec- recreation department that is actually right beside our school. Um, it's a great feeder program into our, you know, we get to see those guys when they're young, um, as they're growing up and, and move into our middle school program and into our JV program. And uh, just Murby's just a great football community, and we're very blessed. And uh, I'm certainly blessed to have what I feel, and I know I'm biased, uh, to have the best coaching staff in the state of South Carolina. 
Um, we got guys on our staff that are amazing. They do a great job defensively, offensively, and um, you know it's, it's been great. We've had a lot of fun. We've, uh, we, you know, like I said earlier, we've been very fortunate to have some success, and uh, it's just been a lot of fun. And you know, uh, anytime you get a chance to to go and compete and play for state championships, uh, you know everybody uh, everybody loves that, and it, it's been great. Now you got a defensive coordinator, I believe, still in the staff. I grew up with this guy, J.O. Jason Owens over there. I don't think he he smiled a lot growing up, but he didn't smile a lot over there with you guys. He should. I know he smiles when you guys are winning, which that's a good bit. But he's got to be one of the most serious dudes to coach uh, over there with you guys. Uh, give me some dirt on Coach O over there, Coach. I know J.O. <laughs> as far as uh, having that strong mindset, but I know he loves on the boys. There's no doubt there. Oh, uh, he's he's a great uh, great football coach. You know, he's. Uh... He's been at Myrtle Beach. Uh, he's got four state championship rings. Um, just uh, does an amazing job. Uh, he coaches our defensive line as our defensive coordinator. And, uh, he and I have kind of been there, uh, been there the longest at Myrtle Beach High School, along with Coach Streeter, offensive coordinator. And uh, Jason just does an amazing job. And like you said, Jason is pretty quiet, pretty reserved guy, but he's a, he's a heck of a football coach, and uh, it's just a pleasure to work with him every every year. And, and uh, he's had a lot of success. Now, you, you got the quiet one, and I was at the championship game, and you guys played Wren, and I tell you, what a battle, what a game it was. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of emotions in that game, Coach, and I was excited to be there on the sidelines watching all of it unfold. But I noticed you had a familiar face that I grew up with, but he was at Sockacy when I was there. Of course, his son played at Sockacy. You probably know where I'm going with this. It's Coach Walsh. Now, he's completely different than J.O. He is a <laughs> complete opposite. And you can hear him coming from a mile away. How did you guys land with Coach Walsh? And he's like a father figure to me. So, I understand the energy that you guys get a chance to deal with day in and day out. Uh, Coach Walsh is uh, – he actually, after he left Oxford High School, he transferred to Myrtle Beach High School and taught over there and, until he retired. He is now officially retired. I think he plays golf pretty much every day. Uh, but he he's always around. Uh, he he is uh, he, he's a guy that uh, he loves the Seahawks. He loves football, and you know we love having him around. Uh, every once in a while, we have to tell him to be quiet because he talks too much. Uh, but other than that, he's uh, he's a joy to have uh, have around. He drives the bus for us too. He still has a CDL, so he takes us on all our road games and drives the bus. And he's just a great guy, great guy to have around. No doubt about it. I tell you, it was interesting because I'm right. I'm walking down. Of course, I know a lot of your 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 parents there for multiple reasons, whether growing up with them on the Grand Strand or doing what we do here at Southern Sports Central. And you know, it, it means a lot when moms and dads, and especially the mamas, love what we do. Our coach uh, Ryan, I know his mom's listening here tonight, and I appreciate her support with us. But you know, walking towards the tunnel, and and I think you and I might have been having the conversation towards the end. It wasn't much because I, I knew it was a tough night for you guys, but I still wanted to show you that respect and love. But all of a sudden, in the background, I hear, hey, Richie, Richie. And I turned around, and I was like, what are you doing? Oh, my God, you have a Myrtle Beach shirt on, dude. What, what, what's going on here, man? What a great – so you're you're recruiting great coaches along, you know, with you over there as you look at how things are built. But your facility, coaches, is state-of-the-art over there. It's it, it's Of course, it's been around a while, but you guys have maintained and you, you've grown every year with whatever needed to get done. You've gotten done. You don't worry about the drainage over there. Of course, that's rarely a problem, but – but, you know, you have that, that AstroTurf. You have the stands, of course. Uh, you know, it's just got its own charm. But while you've made the arrangements on the field, I, I feel like the stands and around it have maintained a lot of the history that's been around that program for a long time. Well, we're, we're, you know, we're very fortunate. Um, our stadium, uh, we, uh, we, we own that with the city of Myrtle Beach. Um, 
and you know the city has done an amazing job of um, of coming in and you know and, and making our stadium um, what I what I believe to be the nicest in the state of South Carolina. Um, we have a guy named Wayne Gray who used to be on the city council at, in Myrtle Beach who played quarterback at Myrtle Beach High School and um, had a lot to do with that. And John Rhodes, who was our, our former mayor, had a lot to do with you know renovating our stadium, putting our jumbotron in, putting our sports turf in. Um, adding locker rooms, um, you know, put a new press box in. So those guys are, have been great. The city of Murder Beach has been great to us, and you know, it's a great partnership. And having those, you know, having those guys having our back, and and uh, you know, just it, we feel like we have one of the best home field advantages in the state of South Carolina, and it's a it's a it's it's so much fun going and playing at Dugshaw Stadium. I'm going to tell you something. I called a game. I went home to, to Osaka, Steve, for one season, and I got hired on by the bad boy up there that does radio. Everybody knows who I'm talking about if you're on the Grand Strand. Uh, you know, and I did Osaka, Steve, and that was a lot of fun. But the one trip we made was to Myrtle Beach, and I think Myrtle Beach scored about 80,000 points. And it was <laughs> it was at the point where <laughs> – and I could pick on Osaka, Steve, because I went to Osaka, Steve, and that's just the way it works. But – it was every bit of 70 to like 15, if it, even if it was 15. But I started talking about putt-putt courses and, and the greatest places on, in Myrtle Beach to eat. I mean, it was everything but football. And then it got into what is a Seahawk. So, Coach, I'm going to ask you. I see your mascot. I understand it, but can you break down? Is, is it a pirate? Is, what is a Myrtle Beach Seahawk for those who have never heard or at least don't know that, that, that what the Seahawk really is? Well, it's funny that you ask that. I grew up a Conway Tiger, and I didn't know the answer to this until I started working at Myrtle Beach High School. Um, but the Seahawk is a pirate that ruled the Atlantic Ocean a long, long time ago. Um, so it's actually a pirate. It's not a bird uh, like the Seattle Seahawks. Um, so that is, uh, you know, a lot of people don't understand that, um, but, it, uh, but it is definitely a pirate. See there, and you and I growing up, you know, we could have cared less what a Seahawk was. All we knew was they were on the schedule, and that was the one game we were going to win. It's just fun, and it's fun to get you in here, Coach, because you and I, we we got history definitely growing up up there. And, of course, you guys played at the graveyard, which is where Coastal Carolina plays. Uh, How weird is it for you to to see Coastal having that field? Now, it's turned different, right? I mean, it's not running the way it ran when we played. You know, when you look at the growth of Myrtle Beach and, and you've seen a lot of things, and, of course, I know when we were growing up, we always thought, man, if, if Coastal had a football team, oh, my God, how easy would it be? And here they go waiting to after we get grown and gone. But but nevertheless, how, how much does that help? Because, again, everybody wants to live in Myrtle Beach, right? I mean, I get it. I grew up in Surfside. You grew up in Conway, about 30 minutes away from one another, now a little closer with some roads built. But. You know, you're at that spot, Coach. You're where everybody wants to be, and unfortunately, the capacity is only so big. And and well, as far as putting kids in, it, it's it's not the easiest thing to do. Well, you know, the grandstand has definitely uh, definitely grown. I mean, when you and I were in school, there was no Carolina Forest, there was no St. James, um, and now you look at those schools, and uh, those those schools are probably the two biggest schools in Horry County, uh, which just, just goes to show you the growth that we've had in Horry County. Um, but you know it's, it's a great place to be. Um, you know we've 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 really got some neat rivalries within our district now. Um, you know we've got a great rivalry with Carolina Forest. We've always had a great rivalry with Conway, uh, North Myrtle Beach, of course. And they've come on as late as late as of late and, and played really well and had some good seasons. So um, it's made that you know that side of the football, the 
the the rivalries have, have really picked up, and you know that's been been great. And we've played some in front of some big crowds, which is which is always neat. And uh, so, really enjoy that piece of it. Now, coach, before we get into some players, because I do got to talk, you got some ballers, and I need to hear uh, your thoughts of the class from last year and, of course, the class from this year. But I look at your region this year. You got Darlington. Guess what? We played those guys growing up in, 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 at your, where you were at school in, at Conway. You played Hartsville. You played South Lawrence, West Lawrence, and Wilson. They basically did everything and then added North Myrtle Beach. I mean, that's kind of the only team that you didn't have to get a road map, but you grew up there, so you do. But you look at this region, and, and it's loaded. I mean, the Florence teams have always been good from the Jacob Shoemate days to, to other guys that, of course, came through their programs. And then Wilson, of course, we know guys from there. But what is it about this region? And then you look at it, it, it's solid from Darlington all the way down to Wilson and then North Myrtle Beach, who, when we grew up, didn't have the dudes that they got now. But, man, they've got some ballers over there, and they've continued to grow from their success as well, Coach. Well, you know, basically what has happened is our 4A region now is a combination of the Grand Strand and PD, of course. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the PD has always had great football, whether it be a Hartford, whether it be a Wilson. Um, you know, West Florence has come on as a lay. You add South Florence into that mix with a new football coach. Um, you know, North Florida Beach, like you said, has gotten better. I, I'm I'm a little biased, of course, but I do think that uh, our region is probably the toughest region in the state of South Carolina. I think uh, – it was last year, maybe the year before, um, the first round of the playoffs. All five teams that got in the playoffs, because we had one team that got in as an at-large, won their first-round game, which was very impressive. And, um, you know, it's always, uh, especially as of late, come down to us and Hartful, uh, you know, in the lower state championship games, which just, you know, goes to show you how, you know, how strong our region is. And then you got, you know, North Myrtle Beach team that's gotten so much better. So just, uh, just a really, really tough region. And the great thing about it is when you when you get finished with region play, uh, you're battle tested. So when you go into the playoffs, um, you know you you know that you're a good football team. If you finish, you know one, two, three, even four in our region, you know you're a good football team. Live right now up there on the Grand Strand in my home yard, of course, uh, Myrtle Beach High School is where Coach Mickey Wilson is at right now, doing great things with the Seahawks, and uh, again catching up with him and uh, his guys as they get ready for the 2020 season up there on the Grand Strand. Coach, let me ask you this, and, and I didn't get a chance to ask Coach Weinstead this uh, earlier, Winstead, excuse me, was is the format, let's say that we are going, I believe, a six or seven game format, Coach, how, how is it to get into the playoffs? Is it is it that they take the top two? And how does that work when you've got a region, let, let's be honest, every one of these teams could easily be worthy of making the playoffs this year. Well, you know, it's definitely going to be different this year. You know, usually it's the top four, and, and sometimes even, you know, with that large that we've had in the past, we've had five teams get in. So, you know, they're going to take the top two this year is my understanding. So it's going to be a little different. Um, you know, you really got to come out and, you, you know, play well early on because you're not playing any non-region games necessarily to get ready for region play. So those region games really become uh, majorly important. Um you know, the thing that's been a, big, a little frustrating for us is um, all the schools in our region have been working out except North Myrtle Beach and Myrtle Beach. We've been uh, we've been on the shelf a little bit. They hadn't been letting us work out. So, uh, you know, that's been tough um, when you got a West Florence, South Florence, and a Wilson and a Darlington and Hartsville. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're working out. That makes it tough on us. And so we're, we're a little bit behind right now. Um, but we did find out today that we're going back August 3rd, so hopefully we can play a little catch-up and 
and get going here and, and hopefully have a chance to do well in our region. Now, Coach, we've been talking about your region. You'll, of course, uh, be at home to open up the season on September 11th against Darlington, but it's that second game that's kind of got a little bit of, well, wait a minute, Jimmy Noonan has left the powers of the largest high school in the state of South Carolina at Wando. He's now the new head football coach down there in Georgetown County in Georgetown High School. You know, what's your thoughts on a coach like this that you don't have any film from him at Georgetown, but you can watch him having what probably was one of the best seasons I've seen at Wando at 8-3 this past year. And I watched these guys really lay down some wood throughout the season. Well, Coach Newton has always been a good friend of mine. We've, we've always scrimmaged every year. Uh, at the beginning of the year, we always have a scrimmage. And um, just happened that he had an open date uh, when they came out with the new format. He had an open date. We had an open date. And, you know, it just makes sense when, you know, only being about 40 minutes down the road uh, for us to kind of, you know, play and, um, you know, with the travel um, being a little crazy this year, um, you know, you're not having to go that far. We felt like it was just a good matchup. And um, and we've even talked about maybe later on, you know, down the road, continuing to play. Um, but Coach Newton does a great job. And, you know, certainly I know he's coming into a new program, and especially any head coach now that's coming to a program with everything that's going on is in a tough spot, um, not knowing their kids and trying to install a new system. So uh, he'll definitely have his hands full there, but, you know, Coach Nino will do a great job. Now, Coach, uh, have they just completely told you guys, look, this is the schedule. We're not doing any preseason. I remember you and I grew up playing in in, in the CNBC Classic over there at the Graveyard. Uh, is that a wash this year? We're only going to do the seven games on the schedule? Because I've seen some schedules around the state that have a preseason tournament and others not. What What is the rule, or have you heard anything? They, the high school league did allow us to have one jamboree and uh, also have two scrimmages. Uh, but we just, uh, I think in Ory County, felt like it was in the best interest of everybody to, to not do a jamboree because we've missed so much time on the field in the summer. Um, but we are we do have two scrimmages. Uh, we're going to scrimmage Lawrence uh, High School, which is down, right down the road from us. And then we're also going to continue our scrimmages with Wando High School, uh, both of those guys are actually going to come to Dokeshaw Stadium um, and scrimmage us. Uh, I don't have the dates right off the top of my head, but it's right before, of course, our first two ball games. So we're still keeping our scrimmages in play, but we will not have the, uh, the kickoff classic this year, unfortunately. Now, that being said, as we're live right now, talking it up with the head coach of the Myrtle Beach Seahawks, Coach Nikki Wilson joins us uh, for the second time. And, Coach, if you don't mind, I'd like to get in here with you on a regular basis, maybe once a week for about 10 minutes or five minutes, whatever you got, I'd like to get, or you send me a coach over there. But that being said, what about the fans? Any rules on the fans? Can they get in the stands or is it going to be a limited number? Or is this just something we'll look at later? I, I think it's something they're going to look at later. You know, um, you know, there's been talk of 50%, 20% capacity. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. This is kind of a, a fluid situation with COVID and, you know, we're kind of – it's day-to-day, uh, as we as we all have learned as we go here, especially when it comes to dealing with sports. And, um, you know, I think they'll figure that out the closer we get to the season. Um, hopefully we'll be able to uh, – you know, I'd like to see at least 50% in there. It always makes for a good environment. But uh, we'll see kind of see how that plays out. Well, hopefully they'll let us come in the media because I would like to make that trip up there a couple of times, uh, at least once, and see you guys either scrimmage or something and – Again, not sure what the direction we're going to be going, but that being said, you know, I love it, man. I, I had a chance to get in there uh, for the North-South game. That's always a lot of fun. Uh, are, are they looking at – and I'm going to ask you because they use your stadium. 
Is the North-South game, is that going to happen this year? Even though I, I got a feeling that Shrine Bowl probably won't because it's going to cross state lines. And with COVID, maybe a little touchy there. But within the lines of our own state, do you see the Shrine Bowl still? Are they still trying to work that one out? Do you know anything about that, Coach? I do not. You know, I think that's a that's something that we would try to do um, for sure. And especially if we have the season, um, I think that would be something that would be in play for sure. Uh, but you know that's like we said earlier with this, with with COVID and with everything that's going on, everything's pretty fluid. You know, you know things change daily, weekly. <laughs> so you, you just don't know <laughs> hourly. Yeah, so you just don't know. Um, you know, you, you kind of have your fingers crossed and hope that you know we can we're able. That's a great event. Uh, we we love hosting it at Duckshaw Stadium and at Myrtle Beach, and you know we hope that we can um, we'll be able to do that again for sure. Yeah, I tell you what, it's been historical, and I know Coach Joe Call, who's a big time guy on here. He was the coach at, excuse me, at Somerville. Now he's over there at Oceanside. He played in that game, and just last year, Brody Hopkins was a big name that was down there with uh, the Somerville guys. And of course, with me, uh, have been the voice of the Green Wave for the last few years here. It's been a blast watching so many great guys go into a place. I always tell them, "Hey, you're going back to my hometown. You know, I might live somewhere, but home." It's always home, you know, and I always tell people, you know, I can pick on Conway and I can pick on Myrtle Beach, but you can't pick on them. Those are our dudes, and I, I kind of feel like it's the same way as I, you know, Coach Spivey and I are pretty close up here, as he actually lives about three minutes away from me, which is a lot of fun to be around him uh, and, and his boys. Is uh, You can always tell that Conway, it comes out pretty quick once it gets excited, <laughs> so it's fun. <laughs> Coach, uh, well, I'll tell you this, Coach, dude, Coach Spivey – Coach Spivey, Hunter Spivey, was a very good football player at Conway High School and at New Bay College. He was fun to watch. And I, I had the chance to play with him in high school. We played basketball, football together. And, uh, we always had a good time. And just uh, he, he's a great football coach. And uh, I certainly wish him well. I know he's moved over to Ashley Ridge, if I'm not mistaken. And I yeah, certainly yeah. wish him well over there. Well, they, y'all got some dudes. I grew up, of course, uh, you know, you know, playing and, and being around you and, and him. And, and then, of course, uh, Josh Rush, you know, that's a big man. Timmy Whitaker comes to mind. So many great dudes. I mean, Jason Bellamy, I remember that kid. That kid, I, I really thought he was going to do some great things. He probably is doing great things, but I just haven't seen him since our days. And then I played uh, for that legendary, and you're going you're gonna to remember this guy. He passed away not long ago with Coach Causey, man. I played part of that post-11 team, and, uh, since eighth grade to my senior year, man, Coach Causey, uh, you know, he didn't – he wasn't the tallest dude, but he had the loudest voice in the dugout because if he spoke, <laughs> it had to be serious. You remember those days? Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. A little summer baseball. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Coach, let's talk some of your dudes before I get you back to the beach and to the sun and to the sea over there in Myrtle. But uh, what about it this year? Uh, last year you had a great quarterback. That guy is without a doubt going to do great things up there in South Carolina and Columbia, but you had other dudes around him. I watched you guys continue to get better, and then you hit that state championship game. But then this year, this year, you got J.J., you got Ryan, you got so many guys. So kind of recap last year and kind of give us a heads up who to look at this year. Well, you know, the biggest thing last year, we Luke Doty uh, was our starting quarterback, of course, in the first round of the playoffs. He uh, unfortunately broke his thumb on his on his throwing hand, and, uh, you know, we had a guy step in named Ryan Berger who was sophomore quarterback and just transferred into our program. And, man, he did an amazing job. Uh, you know, he led us to the state championship game, um, basically came in in a brand-new system, very uh, inexperienced, and just, uh, you know, really proud of Ryan, uh, the way he handled that and the way he 
kind of led us and and you know he and he had some adversity along the way too and uh, continued to fight through that and you know he he just did a great job and JJ Jones and Adam Randall we have we're very excited about those guys with you know two two receivers that are that both got Power Five offers well JJ's committed to North Carolina of course and Adam Randall's got a chance to to be one of the best players in the state of South Carolina uh, you know in the future in the next two years he's just going to be a junior. And, you know, really, really excited about trying to get those three guys on the field at the same time and, uh, you know, really feel like we can put some pressure on the defense with those guys. And, you know, defensively, we've got a good group coming back. Uh, we got Tyrone Miles, K. Arnold up front coming back on our defensive line. we got some good secondary players coming back. So, you know, really got excited about this, this team when we started our workout uh, in, in late June, early July. Um, unfortunately, we had to shut it down. But, you know, just watching those guys out on the field run around a little bit and do some things, um, you really kind of got excited about, you know, uh, the, the the possibility of having a great year in 2020. So we hope we can get out there and, and see those guys play a little bit. And just really excited, you know, hopefully we'll get that opportunity. Well, Coach, I know we got a lot of dudes in this 2021 class, but I keep introducing myself to all these guys. Boy, I tell you what, that 2022 class coming out of the state of South Carolina is going to be a wrecking ball. I mean, it is going to be an incredible group from Myrtle Beach down here to the low country all the way to the upstate and the many schools in between. I couldn't imagine some all-star games that are going to look pretty attractive coming up once we get this green light. And also, I, I, you know, I would like to see – you know, you guys up there on the Grand Strand, get your guys to hand out masks for the next three or four weeks, especially through Labor Day, man, because, yeah, I just got a feeling that, you know, I tell people all the time, when you travel to somebody else's yard, you got to you gotta go by their rules, and I, I'm not sure that's <laughs> happening up there, but you're dealing with what you got. We're living in the moment. You're controlling what you can control, Coach, but I do appreciate you, man, and, uh, you know, you're a longtime guy that I've known for a while here, and, of course, our days in high school all the way to here, but to be a part of my vision, my dream to educate us here, and you be a part of that, man, it, it means a lot, Coach. And anytime you don't mind, please come out and hang out with us on the air. And I would have come up, man. You know, hey, I graduated from uh, from Tacosee, man, but I, I wouldn't mind a little swag from the beach up there at Myrtle Beach, and we'll, we'll support it over here at the studio. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, anytime you want to want to have me on, I'll be glad to come on. And uh, we appreciate what you do for high school football in the state of South Carolina. And uh, Take care of Coach Spivey. Keep him out of trouble. And uh, anytime you want me to come back, just let me know. Appreciate it. You got it, buddy. If I keep him fishing, it usually keeps him humble. But uh, other than that, we appreciate you. <laughs> Stay safe, buddy. We'll, we'll, we'll get, see coach, you uh, get Coach Walsh on, too. We'll have to get Coach Walsh on here, too. Oh, man. I don't know if we got enough time. <laughs> I, I was, look, look, I know you. we, we got to get you back to that family and that to-do list. And, boy, I tell you what, I know you coaches are ready to go back to work because that list never got short. But, uh, Coach Walsh, I'm telling you, when I heard his voice at that game in Columbia in December, I was thinking, you ever just thought to yourself, really? Is he really behind me? He's just somebody else. <laughs> and he hasn't grown no at all, man. He's still sitting there like five foot three and still get that rascally voice. You know, he talks about his son, Rocco, who I graduated with, and he's always like, hey, Rocco, come on over here, Rocco. <laughs> you know, he just got that same little swag. But, uh, hey, man, thanks again. And we are going to get you back and uh, tell J.O. I say what's happening. I'm sure he'll share a fun story or two about our days growing up. He and his brother and I, of course, uh, grew up together. But we'll talk soon, Coach. God bless. Take care. Stay safe. And we'll see you next time. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. God bless. You got it. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Not one, but two great coaches joined us in hour number two. And it's about that time to, uh, of course, head 
to Greenville. That's right, Greenville, where we'll check in with a young man who uh, goes by K2. His uh, name on the jersey is going to be Holland. His first name, of course, uh, is uh, he's going to come in here and, and talk to us about all the great things. And I mean all the great things that he's looking here to do uh, in the 2021 or 2020 season, I guess, coming up here in just a few. As uh, We're excited to get all of the coaches, all the players, all the, the fans. Hey, look, if you want to get in here tonight, this is your night, 323-784-9681. Again, the number to call in is one three two three. 784-9681. I do want to give everybody a shout out for listening here tonight and uh, jumping in here with us. We've got to take a quick reset button when we come back. We'll check into the upstate. That's right. We're going back up there to Greenville High School with the uh, big-time athlete, K2. He's the class of 2022. Mr. Holland will join us. He's a running back, a slot receiver, a defensive back. Quite frankly, I think if you give him a chance to do anything, he'll take that opportunity and run with it, guys. We'll be right back. You're listening to Southern Sports Central, Hour 3, coming up. Hey, welcome, everybody. We are live here coming to you from, of course, the studio. That's right, the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studios here in Somerville, South Carolina. If you want to find the factory, though, and the guys and girls that are changing lives day to day over in the Hanahan area, of course, you can find them at 5913 Loftus Road at Hanahan, South Carolina. Is Of course, uh, they are doing it big over there. Now, without further ado, I'm going to check in with my man all the way in the upstate. He's hanging out with us right here on the Tent Farm Hotline. And uh, he's been uh, waiting, ready, and let's go. How about it, Mr. Holland? How's life up in the upstate, buddy? Good. Can you hear me? Good. I like that. I got you good, man. We got you live. The green light is on, and it's all about you for 30 minutes. What's up? What's up? How you been? We're been I, good, I man. We're ready for football. I want to thank you, though, for bringing me on the, uh, on the live stream, though. That's cool. I never did this before. Hey, that's, you've never done this before. Well, there you go. Well, you can take your rookie stripe off after this, Eugene. <laughs> uh, you go ahead and write that down. He's no longer a rookie on the show. But we expect you to get back in here, and I need you to bring some of your other dudes on the show. And uh, we'll yes, talk about that, that football, man. You know, we did have your head coach in here, by the way, last Sunday. So you got to outdo coach, man. And he, that dude's got a resume. you got some work cut out tonight. Yeah, like I tell Porter, he's a goat, man. He always pushes every day in practice to be better. <laughs> Strauss. Yeah, he the GOAT. <laughs> he loves being the greatest of all time. Yeah. So when you talk about him earlier with me, we had a chance to catch up uh, and talk about the things that he talks to you guys about. And he tells you guys about the media. He tells you guys to be ready and how to speak to the media. Is, is that part of the conversation? I know when I grew up in, in many moons ago, right, where dirt roads were real things, you know, yes, we used to use, of course, different parts to, to go through drills. Well, one of the drills was speaking to the media. Is that something yeah. that he had, that he kind of imposes on you guys? Hey, look, you guys, hey, don't embarrass you, but make sure you don't embarrass me when you speak on the on, on the media. Yes, sir. Every day after practice, like after Paddington, he always get the team in a big group, and then he pick one person and give them a trivia question that, like, somebody like you or somebody on the news would ask, and we have to answer it. You know, just to be prepared after a game, you know, you might get an interview or a speech after a big game. You always want to be ready for it. I like that. As we're live right now on the upstate with Khalid Holland, he, of course, goes by K2. He'll be doing his thing 
He is the yes, running back, y'all, up there in Greenville, the high school course. Uh, and, and I believe, make sure I got it right here, you guys are the Red Raiders. What type of questions does Coach ask? I, I got to ask, man, because I'm kind of curious. I think that's pretty cool that Coach Porter over there getting you guys ready. Oh, that's just like, he has some simple questions like, how how has practice been? How what's your goal for this season? Um, you know stuff that stuff that like a person that I interview would ask. Uh, like I said, how practice going? How the season season gonna be? Uh, what's expectations? What's the goal for this year? Like where you want to go? Which is definitely to be in play in Columbia. Which is definitely the goal mm-hmm. for us. Yes, I got you. Be in Columbia, of course. Uh, your four A football. Very close, by the way. You did win the region last year. I got my homework. I yeah. did my homework. Uh, yeah, you fell a little short against Wren. But, hey, if you're going to get yeah. beat, you don't want to get beat, but you got, at least you got beat by the team that won the state championship, right? So yeah, you could literally yeah, say the road to the state championship did go through Greenville. Yes, sir, but we learned from the losses, though. Like, every year we, oh, yeah. we took, we learned from it. We're just going to come back stronger this year. That's why I'm hoping to have a season this year. You know, when I was COVID. No, we're not hoping. We, we're going to speak that into existence. Right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're not doing that negative thing. That's, that's, yeah. a, that's another thing. Right. We don't do that over here. Huh? <laughs> yes, sir. So, so, of course, I told uh, Eugene about you, and, and we might have mentioned this on the air at the beginning. You broke your collarbone last year. So, the season last year was going on, but you had to stand on the sideline. And I guess yeah. maybe, I don't want to say be a cheerleader, but let's be honest. Yeah, you don't have to be a cheerleader, and that's okay. <laughs> They give out scholarships too, brother. Don't 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 dog it. But I'm going to say this, you know, you learned a lot by being on the side. You realize that the world oh, yeah. keeps moving when when you don't. And, and and tell me, what did you learn? What was the one thing that you learned from your injury last year that had nothing to do with your injury, but mentally taught you the most? Well, definitely everything happened for a reason. I know that injury happened for a reason, but it helped me prepare for my it helped me prepare my body for next year. To be ready for varsity, I worked out every day. I trained every day. I rehabbed every day. Got better, faster mentally and physically. So yeah, it got me ready for the next season, up to the season, which you can see by my stats. It helped out good because I had over a thousand yards my first year back, and I got all region. You know, something slight my first year, and I got my first division one offer. So yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good. Now, of course, that was the Campbell. Yeah, <laughs> Campbell <laughs> University came calling. How about that? So you got one in the bucket. By the way. Coming up in a few days, you're you're going to be allowed. You're going to be open season because you'll be eligible to have conversations with some of these schools, and, and things are going to get a lot better. And you got dudes all around you. And let's just be honest, man. Dudes bring more dudes who bring the dudes who give you scholarships, man. So, telling right. me who right now on the campus, other than you, if you are the running back, we understand that. But who else is a big dude? Who else do I need to know on this campus? Who's some of your yeah. big time playmakers? You probably, as the uh, <laughs> you probably already know my old lineman, Colin Sadler. He's just he's same grade. Yeah. He's twenty twenty two. He got off from Clemson, Notre Dame, uh every big school a kid could want really. My boy really a hard worker. And not just him though. Uh we got Colin, Ashton Whitner, Safety, six foot safety. He got two offers. He got one from Liberty and Jackson State. We got Elijah Kelly, Josh Sapp, and that's this couple players on the offense. Uh we got Prometheus Franklin, the quarterback. Most of us twenty twenty two though. So like most of the players on the name mm-hmm. and they all twenty twenty two. So we got a good Junior class coming up. Uh, Aces in the area, Scott. They just the twins. They just start coming play with us. So they're gonna make a big impact this year for us too. So yeah, we got a good, we got a uh, championship running team. And I feel like we're gonna be in Columbia this year. Now that class of 2022 is going to be massive yeah. in the great state of South Carolina. For those who are listening, yes, we are live right now with the running back, y'all. As you know, I'm a huge. You don't know this, but Eugene knows this. 
Uh, remember, the Titans is my favorite football movie of all times. And, and when, yeah, I, when, when I was talking to you earlier, all I could think of is that when that, quarter, when that gentleman said that uh, in the gymnasium, of course, uh, you, you mentioned that you played basketball at AAU. And there's another guy that plays basketball. I think he's pretty good over there. Is, is, is Kelly us? a pretty good basketball player too? Yeah, yeah. Why Kelly? Yeah, he's tough. He's six four. He's he slamming the ball. Also, my boy Ash. Oh, and Josh Sapp. A lot of players on the team play basketball. Josh Sapp play basketball. Mike Sanders and uh, Ashton Whitner. So a couple of us that. Oh, and Prometheus Franklin. So a lot of us really uh, wow. multi-sport athletes. Yes, sir. So this season is very indicative for you guys to play it in the fall because of the factor of where this thing may fall in the spring and it may overlap other seasons and. Listening to you guys and listening to you about the rest of your football team, we're going to get some football in a minute, but I wanted to kind of smooth it out a little bit, get you comfortable, man, get your feet kicked up, take your shoes off and relax with me, man. And, uh, you know, but when you think about it, man, that would make it pretty hard. So, yeah, my, my heart goes out to you guys because this is a very unprecedented type of deal that we're dealing with here. But But let's talk about, you know, this upcoming season, man. So you guys haven't practiced since when? When's the last time you guys got together uh, since – they shut everything down in the upstate. Oh, like it was like late June. Then last time they shut everything down. So it was like before July. Last time we got a practice, it wasn't really like no big practice, but we just got you know some laps in as a team, ran stairs and condition, you know, to get ready for the season. So I say about around June, like late June, like June twentieth, something like that. Is there? No, are they talking about you guys kicking it back up on August third, or have they? Because I know it's by the county, right? I mean, it's by county yeah. as far as what they do. But when are you guys supposed to get back together and, and start at least getting some work together as a team? As far as I know, I heard the uh, – because I know we get one scrimmage and one jamboree, supposedly, what we're supposed mm-hmm. to get in it. As far as I know, I heard it was August 16th, but I'm also hearing August 3rd, too. So, I'm actually not sure, actually. But I've also been here August 16th. But yeah, I've right. also been here August Now, how much have you been working out? I work out every day, yeah. I'm, I'm you got your guy, your dudes. You guys all get together and work out, kind of find oh, a yeah. field maybe somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a, a field behind my house, so I go train every day. And sometimes I get the, we get the quarterback receivers together and just throw together. You know, get build that connection, get ready for the season. So I, when the season start, nobody won't be slacking. We all gonna be on point on the same page. Yes, sir. I got you. Now y'all open up at home against Greer. Now Greer's got a pretty good wide receiver over there. He came on the show with us a couple. I think last week sometime. Uh, he's got a few good offers, too. He's another big dude coming out of that. I think he might be part of that 2022 class as well. Uh, then, yeah. of course, you travel to Lawrence. You go to Malden. Greenwood's on the schedule. Eastside's on the schedule. Wade Hampton's on the schedule. J.L. Mann is on the schedule. Uh, you grew up playing a lot of these teams. Who is the big rival for Greenville? Uh, I, I know, and I already know that you guys are, are you like that 5A team up there, of course, where Marcus Vladimir played today with Burns. But other than Burns, who else do you guys like to go up against? Uh, in my opinion, we really, I really see we don't got no rival because our team, like, we we all work hard, so we dominate every game. I mean, I, but a lot of people say Greer, it's a bit rivalry because you know that game every year, so it was a back and forth game. They went one year, we went this year. We just recently won this year, and that was a big deal for us. So we had one in like, I say like past three years they beat us, including two playoff games and one regular season. And our first year beating them at uh, Greer High School, so that was a big deal for us. But honestly, I don't think we got no no big rivalry because we work hard to any other team. Like no team cannot work it. We come in the field ready to dominate anytime, anywhere. So, yes, sir. I like that. As we're there with the running back, you guys hanging out with Mister 
Holland. He, of course, uh, goes by K2 up there in the upstate. He's a running back at slot, and he's also doing some defensive back on the uh, other side of the ball. Do you guys get a chance to double up, play a little bit of offense, play a little bit of defense? You being a running back, being the running back, do they allow you? I mean, I ask you, does, does Coach allow you, uh, Coach Porter allow you to play the defense and offense? Oh, yeah, of course. He allows he, he trains us to be ready no matter what. Like, you know, if somebody on defense can supposedly get hurt, you might need a substitution. So he wants you to be ready just in case that day ever happened where you need a substitute for another player that just got hurt. And then and then I also I also shed a rock too. So like I can I also play both ways. So I, I start both ways. I also shed a rock. So I catch my breath also. So I'll just go straight from offense hot right on defense. Hey, I like that man. You're a team player. That's what it's all about. So give me what is the tradition oh, yeah, I play anything at Greenville High School? Sir, say it again. I apologize. That's okay. No, you're fine. So what is the tradition at Greenville? I know everybody's got their tradition. They may run out and slap a sign. They may go rub a rock. They do all kinds of things. But in Greenville on oh, Friday night, what what do you guys do? What makes you guys special? What's the tradition that you guys do every single week when you're at home? Oh, it's, de- oh, it's definitely that radio walk. Yeah, when you uh, as we come out of the locker room, we walk all the way to the top of the um, the stands where all the fans are, and we walk down and hop over. That's basically just us thanking them, thanking the city for coming to our game, supporting us. So, you know, we all we get to clap their hands as we come down, and then we just run through the tunnel. So that's a big tradition at Greenville, really, the Raider Walk. Now, growing up in Greenville, Clemson University is right down the street. The game talks are a right. couple of hours away. Growing up, what? who was your team? You had to pick a team, and you might not. You might have went out of the state. You might be different. That's okay. We, we're fine with that. But who is your team? Who has been your team as, as a little guy that you watch – growing up that you were like, man, if I ever get a chance, and I just need a chance, I'm going to run over there and play in that university with that team. I didn't I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really get the uh, – well, really, when I started first playing running back, it was uh, the running back. When I first – I wanted to – I used to watch YouTube every day, you know, look up some of the good running backs, the uh, models, and it was definitely uh, Alabama. They caught my attention because, you know, them years they had uh, Eddie Lacy, Trent Richardson, Mark Ingram, uh, TJ Yelton. <laughs> now they got Najee Harris, you know. Some five-star running backs that came out of high school. So my team was right. Alabama, just because, just because my for my position RB, it was at that time RBU was Alabama. Like all the running backs named Martin Ingram went to Heisman. I watched all that on YouTube. I watched him a oh, lot. Yeah. yeah, that was a bit odd. Man, you're yeah, making me like, so old with like his YouTube watching to catch him up. <laughs> yeah, sir. <laughs> you're making me feel old. You're telling me about watching all this <laughs> stuff on YouTube. I'm like, man. Eugene, this guy's killing us, man. He's making us feel. <laughs> so tell me, man, I'm going to turn you over to Eugene because he and I like to kind of have a conversation with you because we, we come from different sides. Eugene, of course, is a special teams guy, so he's going to ask you special things on that side. But, uh, but and, and he's going to get into certain questions that, that, that we kind of separate and split up here. But for me, I, I have some local spots in Greenville that I like to come to that we are coming to Greenville because a good friend of mine is, well, Mr. Brown, Mr. Ken Brown. He's with the South Carolina uh, guys up there to hand out those big belts, right? You guys like those big belts? Now, uh, him oh, yes, and Ms. V, we've partnered our, our two friend, our two teams together as we're one team, right, under this big umbrella. It's, of course, the guys in the upstate and us out here in the lower state, and we meet in the middle. That being said, when I go up to see him, where do I need to tell him to take me to eat for the best place to eat in Greenville? Where's your favorite place in the whole world? If I come to Greenville, I got to eat there. Uh, on a Friday, OJ's Diner is right down the, it's right down the street from Greenville. They real be, be off the chart. They come off the bones smoothly and everything. 
cornbread, macaroni, all that. If you off the charts. <laughs> Yes, sir. Well, at least you didn't give me the tiny yeah, well, no run down the street because we have gotten up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no hesitation. That's the simple, that's one of the best places to eat from right there. And what was the name of that place? I'm going to write it down. What was it again? O- OJ's Diner. It's right down the street from Greenwood House. Like, yeah, it's right, literally right there. So I used to go there. I used to go there every day. Like, on game day, I'd go there and eat before the game. You know, they'll come back to school and warm up with the team and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I hear you, man. Nothing like getting a full belly and going out and working it off. Yes, sir. Have at him, buddy. Have at him, buddy. Yes, All right, man. Hey, uh, I just wanted to say, you know, I talked to one of your teammates, um, uh, Elijah. You mentioned him. He might be on the show uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, yeah. I, I was going to ask you something, but I wanted to preface it by saying that I went to school with his dad. I'm sure you've gotten to meet his daddy a little bit. and yes, sir. Maybe you watch yes, his running back games on YouTube up at uh, Clemson. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, um, and and uh, yeah, he was he was a heck of a running back in high school. Actually, yeah, he ranked number one hundred in the nation, and he was going to go to Florida State until Florida State came down to Beaufort and signed that Battery Creek dude. And then uh, you know uh, uh, we called him Keith back then before he changed his uh, first name. But you know, and then he was you know we talked about that, and he's like, man, I went on up to Clemson, and uh, you know if you ever want to give him the business just in a friendly way, I have a picture in my office that's signed by him uh, when there was a little uh, we'll call it a a skirmish between the Clemson guys yeah, and the South Carolina guys. Was that the one where he stepped on the dude's face? Yeah, I got a picture. His son, he signed it, uh, busting heads always. <laughs> so, it's, it's actually framed in my office, and I, I let my boss borrow it for a little bit. He's a big Clemson guy. He actually owns a big farm up there right by Clemson, so I let him put it in the our office up there for a little bit. But, um, yeah, so Elijah's supposed to come on Sunday. But, you know, uh, there's another guy that you kind of mentioned, and that was your uh, another running back on your team. He's a 2021 guy, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, now, you're uh, uh, a, a smaller frame guy. You're kind of the scat back. You guys get referred to as Thunder and Lightning because I've seen this dude's size. He's probably, what, about 6'0", 6'1", 230? Yeah, uh, me and my boy Preston, he like, yeah. He had a lot of weight, though. He like 220 now, 5'11". Yeah, me and Preston like Thunder and Lightning. Like, I haven't seen no person that just can straight tackle him one-on-one. He just takes a whole army to take that man down. My boy's a dog, honestly. So is he your favorite person man, to run um, behind? Yeah, yeah, heck yeah. Oh, yes, sir. He, he, block, <laughs> he boxes if he gets – yeah, he boxes if he gets the ball. So, like, that's how our team is. I got you. you know, yeah, we all – make sure we all eat. Yeah. So, y'all, y'all get inside the 10, man. You're looking at the offensive coordinator talking about let me follow him, right? Oh yeah, all right. I let him get the touchdown. There's never nothing wrong with him getting the touchdown. As long as we won the game, I'm cool. Like it was game versus BHP, I'll lead us all the way up the field, and then I'll let him run it in. As long as he get the touchdown, I'm cool with it. As long as we, all, as long as we win, don't even hurt me. I'm gonna give you, a, I'm gonna give you a heads up because I know you said you probably, you uh looking at or can possibly play both ways. Uh, there's a there's a little slippery receiver over east side. That little mm-hmm. dude is quick, man. He is his last yeah, East Side. That dude is cool. That dude is quick. I saw him. He actually uh, kicks the ball as well as plays receiver. Uh, I saw him up in Tennessee. He's up in Gatlinburg um, this past week. He was a punter up there and did some did some good things with the ball. I, heck, he was kicking the ball 68 yards for touchbacks. And then I saw his uh, 40 time and his uh, yards last year receiving, man. That dude's an athlete. So and that's going to be a good game for you guys, I think. Overall, it looks like they got some big offensive linemen coming back and some talent. Oh, yeah, I think I, believe I know who you're talking about. I usually study. Every team we play, I usually study a player on their team. So, I really sure I know who you're talking about. Well, who's who's got the job of covering the big man at Greer? 
Oh, anybody. Everybody at Grimble's and Dogs. I'll get on them if, if it's uh if I have to. My friend uh Ashlyn Whitner or Aziz Huff, it's a lot, all of us will get up there. Nobody's scared of nobody at Greenville. I'll get in front of him if I have to. Yeah, we, we had him on a couple of weeks ago. That guy's got a bunch of offers. I think he was like checked in at like six five two oh five or something like that. But yeah, you know, and and, yeah. and that's the thing, man. I guess you know, being a DB, you know, when you play on that side of the ball, you got to just be like a running back, man. You can't be scared of linebackers, anybody else. You got to go do your uh, do your do your thing. But uh, quick question: what's your uh, what's your favorite play? What do you like to run when the offense coordinator calls the play? What makes your eyes big? Um, I say getting that slot and running. Um. I can't. I don't really run. I really don't want to say the play because I don't know who's listening. You know, I play up this year, but like it's one of the plays we got uh, where I basically just run the drag across the field, and it's every other receiver going deep, and I run the drag across the field, and he basically hitting me, and I got blockers up front because every time I get that, I get the ball during that play, I always make something happen. So that's one of the best plays. They never expected me uh, run. They never expected a running back that can catch out the backfield. They usually just or he can just run the ball. Like when I catch it, it's a problem, so I make him change their whole defense so that they didn't strategize that week coming up. I got you. That's what I was going to ask you is, you know, running back, some of them, especially at the high school level, you know, they are very good at running the ball. They're good at blocking, but not too many good – not too many guys are good at catching the ball in the backfield and making something big of it. But sounds like that's something that uh, you have added to your repertoire. Do you do any of the special teams, any of the punt returns, kickoff, or anything like that? Yeah. Yes, sir. I'm, uh, I'll be on special team this year. I was on last year, but not, not team not didn't want to kick me the ball. I guess it was based off the film they seen. They didn't want to kick me the ball that much. And then uh, I'll be on punt return this year. So I'll be doing punt return and kickoff this year. So, but, yeah, and also yeah. that uh, catch, that came from uh, me being injured. It's me and the other dudes talked about and that came from me being injured, just uh, watching film and looking at running back that can play, you know, like uh, Christian McCaffrey that can play almost anything, you know, catch the ball, run the ball. See, so that's what that came from, just working on that over, yeah, no, as I was over the year. Exactly, man. You got to sell yourself. I mean, you know, sometimes colleges look at uh, running backs like yourself that are kind of quick and shifty, and they say, you know, I don't know, man. We, we got some running backs on this team, but we might could add that dude as a slot receiver. So that's a heck of a way to make yourself more versatile, especially or, or marketable. You know, when you're trying to get to the next level. Um, well, there was one more thing I was going to ask you. Uh, I, I've seen your height and weight, but uh, what's your what's your track speed, man? Uh, oh, at my hundred, I think passed out around like a eleven three, and then uh, my forty is a four six. Last night on the Are you on the four Yeah, I'm on the Okay. And I know a lot of people I think his dad said he had an offer coming from Virginia Tech for track or something like that, some school for track. So you guys run track, you play basketball, uh, basketball and football together. Um, yes, tell us something yeah, so before we have them all, man. Give, give, me, give me some dirt on, on the boy. Oh, uh, who? What person? On Elijah. On Elijah. Oh, uh, as far as uh, track or uh, like football? Nah, just give me something. Like we can we can get him on the radio and mess with him a little bit. Give me give me a secret. Oh, uh, let me take my boy Elijah. Uh, he he swear he be anti-social, but that man. My bad. He swear he be anti-social, <laughs> but that man really loves the ladies. Like he's a simp for the ladies. He <laughs> yeah. When you get him on there, talk about the, talk about some ladies. You gonna act like he don't know what you're talking about, but that man really a simp for the ladies. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna ask him the same I'm thing about you. Awesome. So, so we... <laughs> awesome, man. And so, uh, what are you looking at studying the next level? Uh, sports. Cause after uh college and uh, uh NFL retirement, I want to uh, like uh, be a broadcaster. 
you know, how they be uh, on like on TV, like NFL Network, you know what I'm saying? I want to do stuff like that. No talk doubt, about man. Football. Well, I know because I can talk back over to Richie. <laughs> when we get back over to Richie, I know he's gonna offer you an internship, man. If you want to come down, because we always love <laughs> oh, yeah. we always love to have the, the high school guys, especially the guys from, you know from South Carolina or whatnot or locally that's been part of the show to come back if they want to cover a game or, or come to a state championship with us oh, yeah. or a camp. You know, we're gonna be up at the camp in Charlotte on Friday and one land in two weeks, man. So oh yeah, I'll be. At dude, I don't. All right, well, you got to come by and stop by the table, man, and get on the radio with us again. Yes, sir. I got you. That's a definitely must. All right, man. I can, well, I'm going to hand you yeah, back. Yeah, I can talk about sports. And, uh, <laughs> I no doubt, man. Like I said, man, I, I guess your coach has already prepped you guys a little bit. We love to hear that, yes, man, because that's one thing that we try to get the guys to do is to learn how to do this, learn how to interview. It's not just interviewing <laughs> for, for radio, but you're interviewing for college and, you know, the yeah. next level, man. Those. When you go on a recruiting visit, those coaches are going to look you in the eye and ask you questions. Some of them might be comfortable questions, and some might, may not be comfortable questions. But either or, you got to be prepared to look them in the eye, shake their hand firmly, and you know it sounds like you're a respectful young man. So I think you'll be ready. But you no, know, we look forward to watching your season, man. Good luck. Yes, sir. I appreciate you, and I appreciate you having me on the show too. Man, you've done a great job tonight. I told you, brother. Our job is to get you in here to educate everybody about who you really are. Who is the real K2. And tonight, we feel like we're a little bit smarter. We know a little bit more. We're going to have some fun. And like I told you uh, off the air, this is going to be a, a regular thing for you and, and all of your guys. So you, you go home, of course, or when you get off the air, reach out to them. Say, hey, man, reach out there. You know, reach out to those guys over there and jump in and let's talk some football, man. But we'll have some fun. But make <laughs> yes, sure sir. Friday, make sure Friday you swing by and, and say hey to us. We want to make sure we, we shake hands, we make some eye contact. And uh, I appreciate you giving me a little bit of your Tuesday night. And, uh, man, you're going to have a great season. You're going to have a great time on and off the field. And we wish you the best of luck in 2021. And beyond that, of course, uh, we'll, we'll continue to do this, my friend. But uh, thanks again for your time tonight. We'll do it again here uh, Friday. So I'll see you over in Charlotte. Yes, sir. It's a, a uh, afternoon. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Y'all have a good night. If all the coaches are here, I want y'all to be watch out for me Friday. So I'm coming for heads Friday. Yes, sir. <laughs> I love the energy, man. Hey, I, it's all about yes. it. Deion Sanders. Made a living out of it. He would tell you, I'm taking exactly. seven, like seven, good, seven steps good. out. Your job's to stop me. So, good job, brother. Appreciate yes, you. God bless you. We'll see you next time, buddy. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. All right, guys. There you go. As we visit right down, of course, uh, in Greenville County, at Greenville High School, of course, we had a head coach, Greg Porter, joined us on Sunday night. Why not bring in that running back, y'all? Of course, the man who has done great things and will continue to do great things for, of course, uh, the Red Raiders. And uh, we're always excited to, um, you know, start to kind of put things together. we got to take a quick break. We'll reset all of this and uh, kind of look around and uh, recap the interview. We'll talk about all the guests we had tonight. And if you want to call in, now is your time. For the final 30 minutes, we'll open up the airwaves. If you're a football player, you want to check in with your school, your weight, your schools that you want to look at, things you're going to do. If you're going to Charlotte, North Carolina on Friday, call in, tell us who you are, make sure that we have at least an idea where you're going to be, what position you're going to be working at. And, again, coaches, we want to hear from you as well. So call in 1-323-784-9681. Again, the number to reach out is 1-323-784-9681. Also, make sure that you're following us on the web over on Twitter at SO Sports Central and also on Facebook at 
Southern Sports Central. Of course, it's all one word there. And, of course, we'll be right back. You're listening to Southern Sports Central. Wrapping up tonight's show. It's been two and a half hours long, but it's rolling right through. We'll be right back. I got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached, head is mad at black, got the bushes black to match, riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your Porsche, I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that porch now, can't nobody tell me Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Yellman here alongside Eugene Benton coming to you for the final 30 minutes of Southern Sports Central on a beautiful Tuesday night. And I say beautiful because we're talking football. We're talking everything positive. Yes, outside in the low country, we've had thunderstorms wrapped around the studios throughout the night. But here we go, moving in the final 30 minutes. If you want to join us tonight, now is the time. The lines are open for the remainder of the show. You're a parent, you're a player, you're a coach, whatever. You want to talk football, you want to talk sports, we got you. COVID-free conversations, promise you, going forward. As we give you the number to call in, it's 1-323-784-9681. Again, the number to reach out to us live on the air is 1-323-784-9681. We do want to give some love, of course, to those who continue to support us here. Gurns Pharmacy is that place, located at 140 South Main Street in downtown Somerville. You can find them on the web at gurnspharmacy.com, or you can reach out to them by phone, 843-873-2531. Those guys have been doing it for a long time. They are the oldest independent pharmacy in the great state of South Carolina. 
And not only do they have all the pharmaceutical needs you need, they got all the knickknacks. They got the best hot dogs. They got ice cream. They got it all. And I say that because, uh, Eugene, actually, I've given up the world of soda. You know, soda to me is like an old girlfriend in high school. You know, we just somehow continue to find conversations. You know, those kind of relationships you just got to break off. You just got to get rid of and you got to walk away from it. So, uh, once again, for the 50,000th time, I decided two days ago to give up soda, man. But I got to be honest with you, man. It You talk about, you know, when people are hangry. There's got to be some type of acronym for, for not drinking sodas because it's a different type of angry and, man, groggy feeling for the first two days, man. <laughs> I don't know what kind of sodas you drink, man. I, I don't I don't really drink sodas. Occasionally I'll have a, a Diet Coke, but that's about it, man. I'm more of a – I drink gallons of Gatorade. That's just my thing, man. I drink gallons of Gatorade. Our, we have a whole shelf that's in the freezer. That's, that's, that's also not good either, by the way. I hear that, but uh, – I get the G2s, but, uh, yeah, we have a whole shelf in the refrigerator's Gatorade. <laughs> My son's always a, a Gatorade and Yoo-Hoo's and milk drinker, so, and uh, with the protein shakes and all that good stuff. But, yeah. But, uh, man, what a great well, show, he's not man. The biggest we had some great either. coaches. Who? <laughs> me. You're, 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 your son's not the biggest guy. I mean, I, and it's not to knock the kid. I mean, he's a junior in high school. The kid's, like, one of the smartest kids I've ever, you know, you know, bumped elbows with at the table over at the uh, Mexican restaurant in Mount Pleasant the other night. I was like, my God, this kid, you're wicked smart. But, you know, for, for, for all intents and purposes, man, you know, those guys, here's the guys I like. This, these, these are the funniest ones. When they go eat at a burger joint and they order a cheeseburger and they order this and they order that and then they follow up with, but let me get a Diet Coke. I'm like, and dude, just go all in, man. You're already there. Just go ahead and get that large, super-sized Coke to go with that super-sized burger and those fries and, and just do it up, man. That's what I did this weekend. And everybody was like, man, you went to Hall's on Friday night, Hall's Shop House on Friday night here in Somerville. Then I went to Margarita's. I took the kids. I got the, uh, my two smaller ones. We rolled over to uh, to Margarita's on Saturday because I had been out with the wrestling coach. You know Coach Tuck and uh, you know, we had I had a, one of the local barbers who's got multiple barbers here in town. We all three went out Friday, and then the kids went. I took them out Saturday, and then I said after church, I'm going to go do it up, man. So I went to one of the local spots for some good seafood here, and um, in Somerville, and everybody's like, man, you really went all out. I said I did it for a purpose because as you see, yesterday I joined back up and got back in the gym and socially distanced myself and worked out, and uh, man, I paid for it. I, I paid. I can feel the price today. And actually, when we get off the air, I'm heading straight to the way, to the gym. And that's the best time to go is late at night when ain't nobody there because I am not there for conversation. I'm there to get a job in and get a job out. But uh, you were saying that we did. We had a great group of guys on tonight, and it's only going to get better. Thursday night, I've already got um, a coach coming in here. Coach Denny's coming in from Stratford. Uh, got a few other coaches on the line waiting hopefully they're going to they're going to stay good to go they'll come in we're going to talk to them i think berkeley's coach is going to be one of those the stags will check in and as always we try to have at least one or two players so i'm going to go back up around the middle and try to get a player or two to join us and then on sunday i'm going to talk to the athletic director from olympic high school in charlotte where we'll be friday in that area at least of course miss stephanie wilkes and she'll be joining us on sunday as her or, you know, her entire, you know, I would say football program over there in uh, Charlotte will be practicing starting Monday. So, yeah, we're very fortunate to get guys, of course, in here. Like, we always have Reginald on, on Tuesdays. He's a, he's a, without a doubt, talking about a goat, he's one of the great ones that joins us every Tuesday. But to get Jason Winstead in here from Goose Creek, I thought was awesome. He did a great job. And, you know, he and I went kind of back and forth on some texting. And 
you know, the coaches that don't think they're the greatest interviewers end up being the greatest interviews. And, and for me, I thought he did a great job. He answered a lot of questions by his heart, which is the best way to go about it. And, of course, uh, you know, Mickey Wilson and I go back our days of rivalry, Socrates and Conway. There was no love lost there on a Friday night or any time that these two teams went on a battleground in sports. It was always fun. While Myrtle Beach was there, they were always, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say the little brother when I was growing up, but they weren't as strong as they are now. Just like North Myrtle Beach. Man, the Chiefs, oof. They weren't Chiefs when we were growing up. They were they 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 were they were trying to build a program and they built it. Now it's there. So you see what they do over there. Of course, he did a great job. And then to get that young man in here, you know, Khalid Holland joined us. K two. I thought he handled his interview very well. You know, I talked to him before. I kind of gave him a little bit of a a questionnaire and said, look, this is the things we're going to talk to you about. So, you know, be ready. You know, again, it's like preparing for the game, right, Eugene? Yeah, no doubt, man. And speaking of him, man, we're gonna have to hit up Coach Porter. I'm a, I want to check out this OJ's, man. My, my man said the ribs fall off the bone. They got good mac and cheese and cornbread. <laughs> and he eats that before a game. You know, most coaches don't allow them to like, yeah. and stuff like that. But, man, I, I want to check out this OJ's now because I'm up in Greenville sometimes and up around Clemson area. And, now I have to check out this place with these fall off the bone ribs, this cornbread, and this mac and cheese he was talking about. Oh, yeah. Well, I got a buddy from home back up in Myrtle Beach. He actually owns the City Tavern, which is a, a hot spot there on Main Street in downtown uh, Greenville. And I've yet to, to go in and, and, and hang out with him. So maybe that's, maybe that's a great road trip. It sounds like one uh, that we can take a trip up there. We catch up with all the coaches up there that we had an opportunity to catch up with. Of course, one of the coaches was Coach Greg Porter, who, by the way, also did a great job. So I expect his players to do a great job on the radio, uh, a lot of coaches reached out after we had Coach uh, Porter on. And of course, uh, Art, Art Craig joined us on uh, on Sunday night, and it started off with uh, Coach Bobby McGowan. He is in the school system. He's been a former coach. He's been a former player. He's taken all of his talents and said, I don't want to work with one school. I want to work with all schools. And he's one of the best wide receiver tight end coaches in the area from the upstate to the lower state. He'll be Part of that big thing coming up is we're going to be live coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina, Friday. And we're pumped about this because, you know, while we were there at the Infinity Camp uh, in uh, Columbia a few weeks back, we didn't do anything live. I was there more to so to see, are they staying socially distanced? Are they putting the precautions in place? Are they doing the things? And quite frankly, you know, they did an incredible job. So they invited us back. We've opened that opportunity. We're going to be heading to Atlanta on the 8th and the 9th. And, man, between these great coaches, I know there's great players, Eugene, but I see the great coaches that they put together to put these camps in place in Charlotte. And I keep watching these other dudes that are put into place on the 8th and the 9th. And the reason they're doing it on the 8th and 9th, because on the 8th, it's the high school kids. On the 9th, it's the middle school kids and below, I believe, but I know it's the middle school kids on the Sunday, not uh, the high school kids, of course, on Saturday, Eugene. What I read was the, uh, the the middle school kids, it looks like it's going to be a coaching clinic type thing where they're going to teach them the aspects of the game, the ins and outs and things right. like that. I think that's from like 12 to 4 that Sunday. But, you know, I, I've seen a lot of interest in both of these camps from some big-time ballers, man, from, from this state and other states. And I think it's going to be a, a, a big get-together. And, you know, the guys have it live-streamed, so – the uh, college coaches can watch and things like that because, as we all know, there haven't been any of these uh, the camps this summer. It really hurt a lot of kids, man, uh, especially some of the ones that I trained that were looking forward to getting in front of some college coaches and, 
and doing what they do, man. And so this is going to be one of the last opportunities before then it just goes to your film. So it's going to be a chance to get show their uh, abilities against some of the elite talent from not only their state but other states. And then, uh, you know, in a couple of weeks, God willing, we'll, we'll have some games and some game film to add to that repertoire for them. Yeah, we're looking forward to having a great season this year. Southern Sports Central still trying to put ourselves where we feel like we can help the community and, and, and put things at the best that we can be. And, and it's going to be a very unusual season. But this will be one of those seasons, Eugene, that I feel like everybody will remember. You know, there was always those, those moments in, in, in the major leagues when they had, you know, certain things kind of going on. And then it, it just seems like it's just – it's going to be a special season. I think a lot of good's going to come out of it. You know, the hard part of this thing – is that when you get into these mega regions, and mega regions would be like what we talked about with, uh, of course, the coach from Myrtle Beach, Coach Wilson. He talked about that South Florence, West Florence, Dylan Wilson. Holy moly, Wilson, right? And, and North Myrtle Beach. I mean, that is a dynamic region. And unfortunately, only two teams get in. There is not an at-large game. There's not a lot large bid there, if I'm not mistaken. So, I'm going to tell you this, high schoolers, listen up. Every game is a playoff game starting on week one. Or hopefully they get out of that week zero thing. But week one, every game is a playoff game. This is now you're going to feel the brunt of what college football feels with the final four. But at a bigger, different level, you've got to be the final two in your region. And some regions have five. Some regions have four. Some regions have six. So there is a huge dynamic. You see where Coach Wilson he only has one non-region play. He plays a good friend of his that he played against, you know, uh, when he was at Wando. Of course, uh, Coach Newton has taken his talents to Georgetown County, just a little north of uh, Mount Pleasant. But you know, when you think about it, Eugene, you know, it, 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 it's got to be hard when you look at a certain region. I mean, look at the uh, look at that region over there, of course, and um, even where Berkeley plays that. We had Coach Winstead in here who, you know, they've got Berkeley. They've got – Goose Creek, of course, who they are. Then they've got Wando. Wando, not sure what they're going to look like this year because they've got some big hitters to replace, you know, like Will Pickering and those guys. And, of course, Jimmy Noonan gone after years and years of being on the sideline. They've got an athletic director. God rest his soul. He passed away, and now they've got a new guy running that. So there's a lot of changes over there with the Warriors. But they got a guy they feel like could do some jobs. I know we've had some experience in the college level, but we'll, we'll see. We'll watch. We'll, we'll get him in here, Eugene. Maybe I'll give that to you. You see if you can get him in here on Thursday with us. We'll talk about him and his experience and his team coming back. But, I mean, Wando had a great year last year, and nobody talked about him. Eight and three, probably one of the quietest teams I've seen come out of a season winning eight and three. And I think they went on the road and actually beat Conway in week one of the playoffs. Yeah, that's true. They did. And that was uh, one of the first wins, you know, the program had had in the playoffs in probably, uh, I want to say, close to 10 years. And, uh, you know, they went up on the road and beat Conway at their house, which is never an easy task. You know, Conway had some talent on that team last year, uh, especially on the defensive line. But uh, they did that. But, you know, the next draw was, uh, unfortunately, they, they got Fort Dorchester. They played Fort Dorchester really tough earlier in the season, um, I remember the Wando guys going to Twitter before that game saying that 4D wasn't going to score. And if I recall, it was either 3 nothing or 0-0 at halftime against uh, Fort Dorchester. And that was a big, you know, I think Fort Dorchester ended up winning it something like a 17-3 or 17-7, something, something very close. It, it really sent shockwaves that they could, you know, play like that. And then, of course, in the playoff game, that, that game got a little lopsided quickly and ended up uh, – 
a lot to nothing. So, um, but, you know, they, they did have a lot of talent on that team. Um, that was a team that was built from the middle schools. Uh, I was part of those with those guys back when they were in middle school. Some of those kids went to Oceanside, and, of course, Oceanside went on the uh, run to the, to the lower state championship. So, you know, and I think that's probably, probably some of the bad blood, maybe, was that that team was built, and they were built to uh, make a run. That 2020 class right. was, was stout. If you combine the seniors over at Oceanside and the seniors at Wando, you know, that was a heck of – that would have been a heck of a team. I know when they were in seventh grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade, they uh, they didn't lose a game through the playoffs. And that's – they went up on the road and beat the likes of Dillon. They beat the Rock Hill All-Stars. They beat the team from um, near Burns. So, you know, that's the team that was just built like that. And, of course, you know – they they split off and went their own ways and uh but still the nuclear there there was still a lot of good talent there and you like you said to go eight and three you know they beat Somerville that was a big shock early in the season um you know for for them and a big win for them that was the way that they opened yeah. up the new house man and you want to talk about facilities yeah they good opened Lord. up yeah they, yeah they opened up the house man. they opened it up <laughs> they opened it up but let me tell you something and I, and I love my dudes at the Ville man no doubt about it Coach Call I know you're probably listening and you're at Oceanside now but man. Holy moly, man. It, it was one of those days when I walked in this stadium. By the way, if you've never seen – and by the way, Charleston County is doing a great job putting facilities together. Uh, they're almost done with that one over there off of Montague Avenue. They'll have three high schools, I think, in there. AstroTurf, the stadium looks great. It is nicer than some colleges. But Wando, oh, but Wando has an incredible venue. They had the food trucks down and below. They had the elevator that took me to the top. You know, God had dropped off some Chick-fil-A sandwiches at the top waiting on me, man. So the reward was there at Sweet Tea. What else? I'm thinking, we're, you know, Somerville's going to get the dub, and we're going to go back home, and I'm good. I got this. And didn't go that way because kickoff, they run it back 94 yards. Somebody holds somebody. It says about somebody's mama. They give them a five-yard penalty, Somerville. And they're getting the ball on the one. One play in, the running back comes out of nowhere, jumps over the hurdle. They're up with, like, Three seconds off the clock, six nothing. I said, my God, and it just never, it never eased up. I mean, and, and you got to give it to Jimmy Noonan and his guys and the dudes that got it done that night. Not that Somerville wasn't ready because they had just played Woodland the week before on AstroTurf. And I'm gonna tell you something: AstroTurf's a different ball game than it is on grass. It don't give on AstroTurf, but you bounce like a ball. I watched dudes bounce like a ball from Somerville and some other places. Not a good place if uh, if you get hit and you get in the wrong way. But I think. Like you said, though, I know now, actually, that that was Wando's first game. And why it sometimes pays, you know, some of those still had some injuries. They, they were licking some wounds coming off that AstroTurf and playing Woodland. By the way, who they got dudes. They got a dude up there going to play in South Carolina State. They got another dude going up to Virginia playing football. So they got players. They got it, – it, it's almost like a little DBU up there that Cyber, Chris Cyber's got. It's a pretty impressive place, but – you know, when you look at the things, and, and, and we even look at the region that Coach Call has taken over over at Oceanside, that's another one. Only two teams get in. Well, think about it. You've got Hanahan. You've got Bishop England. You've got Oceanside, right? They're going to be good teams. There's the three teams. Battery Creek, nobody talks about them. That's the team you better watch for, the team that nobody talks about. All right? No doubt. North Charleston back athletes. Yeah, North Charleston's bringing back some athletes, too. Yeah, yeah, right. they were the only ones to score other than Timberland against Oceanside in the region. You know, and they, they're bringing back right. some fast athletes. I mean, we all thought Keegan Williams was fast until uh, he broke loose down the sideline, and that young man come across the field from North Charleston 
grab them from behind and tackle them about the four-yard line, man. But, uh, you know, they got some dudes, too. They, they're, they're coached up really well. Those guys are, you know, getting their, their teeth cut. They've been in the program now for a couple of years. You know, and they're going to have their – right. they're, they're going to make some noise, too. And then, like you said, Battery Creek's such a wild card because there's not a lot known. Of course, they're going to have some big guys on the line. They're going to have running backs, but they haven't been able to practice. You know, of course, then also, too, in the region – uh, is academic magnet, and I, you know, I have kids that go there. I respect what they do, but you know, I mean, it's uh it's gonna be an interesting, it's gonna be an interesting game, and a lot of these games, like you said, are gonna be played on turf because uh, Oceanside's home games, all but one's gonna be at the Citadel. That's gonna be on turf, you know, and the, the Buford right. schools have all added turf, uh, so it's gonna, right. it's gonna maybe maybe be a little fast. I know my kickers are uh, chomping at the bit to kick off the basketball turf. They love that stuff, but uh, you yeah. know, we're we're looking. Those boys are looking forward to those games, man. They're, they're getting ready to play. I tell you what, because most of the teams in the region, and well, I will say other than Battery Creek and uh, North Charleston, they're able to practice. Bishop England's practicing, Hanahan's been practicing, you know, and those guys are going to be ready to go. Yeah, and you mentioned teams like this. So, so let's just go, for example, you, you look at that Somerville, Bird, excuse me, the Somerville, Fort Dorchester, Ashley Ridge, West Ashley, and Stahl region, okay? Well, let me tell you a secret. Stahl was a few plays away from upsetting a lot of teams. One of those teams was Fort Dorchester last year, which was a kid that used to be a quarterback at the Ford. He traveled across the line over there, moved across the line, and he goes to he goes to Stahl High School. Now, Stahl coming out with 32 dudes. I mean 32 dudes, half of what you see on everybody else's lineup, and they played. And if I'm not mistaken, they played Somerville pretty good. I know they beat West Ashley. They beat Ashley Ridge, and they might have beat West Ashley. They ended up becoming a team that, while they didn't win every game they had on the schedule, they surely played in every game they had on the schedule. But then you go all the way, but you look at even Ashley Ridge. They open up with Fort Dorchester. Now, they've got Shane Fiddler, and Shane Fiddler's a good guy. This guy has come in here, and he's bringing an intensity. He's gone out, and he's recruited some great coaches from uh, the middle schools because they did away with middle school ball. So what does he do? He goes out and hires these dudes. And he goes out and hires the head coaches of all the middle schools. I mean, say what you will, but that's a pretty smart idea. All right? So then he's got that community there because he's not a Somerville guy. So he goes out and gets some Somerville dudes. And he gets guys that are already embraced in the community. Then he's got the offensive coordinator of Coach Spivey. Oh, by the way, already had the mindset of Coach Marion. He used to be the coach at West Ashley. And then he's got a guy named B.J. Bellish. This guy's like a strength conditioning guru, wide receiver coach. I mean, he's really put together a good staff. I'm curious to see some of his defensive stuff, but he'll open up against Fort. He'll go, of course, uh, West Ashley. He'll open up at home, Fort Dorchester, West Ashley. He goes to Berkeley. Then he travels to Deville. He'll play at Somerville, Stahl, Goose Creek's at home, and then at Cane Bay. That's a pretty impressive schedule. You'll see what that has to do with, but then you look at the Fort. Check this out. Now, Fort is away. They're, at, they're away at Ashley Ridge, and we already talked about it with the coach from Goose Creek. He, he mentioned Second game of the year is at – excuse me, yes, it's at Fort Dorchester this year. That game could be a pretty big one. You know, Fort's coming in. They've got, I'm going to tell you, a very impressive quarterback. They've got this young guy that you need to watch out for, Jalen. I'm telling you, the kid, he's, the, I believe, number five on the chart. He's number five on the, on the number jersey there. But the kid's got some feet. He's been working with Jamie Fordham over there, of course, at the uh, the factory, and this kid has got some wheels. He reminds me a lot of uh, a guy out of Somerville, was also number five, you know, Andre. And Andre, uh, single season, broke one of A.J. Green's records, if it tells you how good he was. 
Uh, he's not playing ball at Newberry, but this kid, Jalen Best, is going to be very good, but he's going to be an under-radar until I just ruined it for you, Jalen. But watch out for him. I think he's going to do a good job. Stahl, we'll see what they do. They're at home against Stahl. West Ashley away. West Ashley went and got a new head coach. Now, he's a power-lifting kind of guy, no-nonsense kind of guy. He's a guy that says, look, attitude reflects leadership. That, that reflects discipline. It reflects win. All of that has to be in place. So I'm very curious to see what comes out of West Ashley because – Eugene, that's an area, West Ashley, is that they've always had players. They've got great basketball guys. They've got athletes all over. And I've always said they're the only school left that doesn't have another school picking apart from them. Maybe a – I don't want to throw First Baptist in there, but other than First Baptist, that they don't have to worry about, you know, any other school. Like you've seen, of course, some of these other schools who've had new schools built around them. Of course, they'll play Somerville at home. That is for Dorchester, Will. Wando on the road, and they'll finish off on the road as well. Now, the one thing that I am going to tell you about, and again, finishing this up here as we're about out of time, is uh, the Somerville schedule. Now, Somerville, of course, uh, released their schedule out uh, yesterday. And uh, if you look at it, uh, of course, uh, the showdown is on all their schedules. So it looks like Fort Dorchester, Ashley Ridge, and Somerville is going to play in the showdown. That looks to be one of the games that are still going to take place. Then, Stratford is on the schedule. Now, Benny, of course, will talk to us about this game on Thursday. He's got a big man, and I'm telling you, he's got a wide receiver that everybody already has on their radar. But when I tell you this kid is next level, he's already committed, I think, to Eastern Michigan. We'll talk about that more on Thursday night. Then they travel to Stahl. They'll be home against West Ashley, home against Ashley Ridge. They'll travel to the Fort. They'll be home against Berkeley. That game against Berkeley is going to be a big one, even though it's a non-region game. It, it, to me, it's, it's the oldest rivalry, if I'm not mistaken, one of the oldest ones in the state of South Carolina. It's always one of those games. I know Somerville was up in double digits last year going in, ended up tying it up, going to double overtime, and the rest is history. Unfortunately, uh, Berkeley wins this one in a very awkward game in multiple ways, and then they finish up, Somerville does on the road. And Coach Rafferty, of course, you know, he spent a lot of time, four years, by the way, at Somerville, and then went off to NC State, then went into the league. So he's got experience. He's got the ability to tell the kids what it takes to get to the next level, right? Then he spent his, his days coaching over there, of course, uh, with one of the best uh, in the business over there at Fort Dorchester. I mean, he learned from Coach LePratt, and, of course, uh, you know, that had to be a tough move for him to leave, but chance to go back home, places he grew up in, to go do what he does. So there's just so many storylines that I'm really, really looking forward to, that we're going to be breaking down again. This is going to be a COVID-free zone for a while. We'll, we'll update you on some numbers, and then we're moving on, right? We're, we're playing in football in the fall until they tell us differently. I know there's a meeting or something going on tomorrow, Eugene, or Thursday. Whatever it is, I'm going to let you do it. I'm done. I'm zoomed out. I cannot. I will not. I'll just wait for you to report it on our Twitter handle. But there's so many impressive things in every game. Not that they don't matter. But those region games, oh, man, do those region games mean more than anything if they're only taking the top two. Ooh, there's going to be some good teams left out because, again, some teams are top-heavy and some teams are completely heavy, if you know what I mean, Eugene. Yeah, no doubt. And you actually summed it up or, or described it earlier where it seems like, um, you know, when this thing takes off, it, it's similar to the BCS thing. Every, every school is going to be playing for that BCS ranking type thing where they got they know – you know, well, you know, we can't look down the road and say, well, you know, we, we may not get these guys, but we've got to focus on next week. Every week is going to matter because if you drop one, there's a chance you won't make the playoffs with one with one loss. You know, this has been a 
state and, and regions and things like that, we're, we're losing schedules. Losing teams have gotten into the playoffs. And, uh, you know, teams at 500 have gotten into the playoffs. And, you know, you just don't see that this year. you got to be, you know, the best in your region if you want to have a chance. The only way to guarantee yourself a chance at, at making a playoffs is to win every game. And so that's tough. I mean, like I said, you know, everybody looks at, at a team like an Alabama or Clemson every year, you know, and expecting them to be in that final four. And to do so, you, you expect them to go undefeated. And that's a, that's a tough task, man. It is hard to win a football game, much less win all of your football games. There are so many things that can change week to week, uh, scheme-wise, health of a player, that and the other thing. We know what else is going on. Uh, it, 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 man, it's, it's going to cause a lot of uh, coaches to invest in some Tums in Milana going into this season starting <laughs> about September 11th. No doubt about it. And, again, remember, it is the region play that means the most, not to say that these other games don't. You wonder how much you see. And, again, I, you look at it and you think about it. It's like the last game of the year, even though it's a big one because they're all big, they're on the schedule, but how much do you, do you rest the guy? Do you do the game that you see? This is becoming a baseball game, if you will. And I know these two teams, these two sports are kind of going at it with this new South Carolina thing, but – it becomes a little bit more of a chess match because you got to have that dude ready to rock and roll. He needs to be healthy for the playoffs. And if this game right here, and again, I believe it's set by region play. If you're in the top two, you go. If you're not, you won't. It doesn't matter what you do in this non-region game. So this last game of the year, it's kind of a tune-up game, if you will. And it doesn't say it doesn't mean anything because it means everything, and it should, and don't ever think that way. However, ooh. That's a conversation for Thursday night. We'll table that and much more because it is time for us to say so long, so long, farewell from Southern Sports Central on a Tuesday night. want to thank the guests for tonight. Of course, we started with Reginald Walker, Jr., who, of course, played his days with Joe Pye. You can currently hear him here on Southern Sports Central on Tuesday night, part of the Southern Sports Central family. He's also one of the many voices for Gardner-Webb and UNC Charlotte, along with some TV and radio there in Charlotte, North Carolina. Also, 7 o'clock, we traveled to – well, the likes of Goose Creek with the Gators on. Head coach Jason Winstead joined us, talked to us about a lot of success. And the thing that got me the most is that he loved these young guys off the field as much, if not more, than on the field. And you can go back and listen to this, because after this, we'll have this ready for a listener to afterwards. And then at 7.30, we went up to the Grand Strand, down 17, and visited with Coach Mickey Wilson. He is the head football coach for that of the Seahawks, we found out tonight the Seahawks is not a bird. It is a pirate, and they got a lot of dudes that are just, quite frankly, getting it done. And they are looking forward to their big season coming up in the upcoming season, whether it be a month from now or two or three months from now. But either way, they'll be ready to play. Then, finally, we wrapped it up in the upstate in Greenville, up at Greenville High School, with the one and only K2, also known as Kalik Holland, as he is class 2022. Is a running back, slot receiver, and a defensive back, part of that thunder and lightning that Eugene and us have labeled these guys. So they will, of course, uh, get a lot of that going forward. So, Eugene, another one in the books. We'll look forward. And guess what? Every show gets a little bit closer to kickoff, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. You can feel it, man. You can feel it. You can feel it in the uh, air. You can feel it with all these teams ramping up, getting ready for that August 3rd practice. You know, and I'm sure helmets will be divvying up. I saw some helmets divvied up today. I saw Coach Cole, 
showing guys how to put on a helmet. <laughs> it was a, I took a picture, and I didn't want to post it on him, but I got a good picture of him demonstrating how to put on helmets to younger guys, man. You just kind of get that feeling that now it's time to tighten up some cleats and uh, get some gear ready, and let's get going August 3rd. No doubt, guys. On behalf of all of us, all of you, stay safe, stay distanced, do what you got to do. Call out that guy next to you. Put on a mask. We'll get it taken care of later, guys. Um, We will be back live Thursday night. And until then, guys, God bless you. Take care, and we'll see you then, guys. We'll see you. Have a good night. But it only works if Look at yourself and say Don't you wanna be happy? Yeah. I just wanna be happy But if I keep on giving my heart For people to tear apart The healing will never start So I can be happy Yes, Lord Will I ever be happy? Cry yourself to sleep, shout and raise your hand. It won't change a thing just till you understand. If I'm talking to you, then say, If you're tired of being the same, if you're tired of things I've changed, it's time for you to get out the way. You've been there too long. Right here.